Minefields, minefielders. It's me, Joshua Michael. I'm joined by my best friend. Welcome back, Colin. Hey, what's up? He's in the he's in the OKC, and of course we got Mister. Well, he's in the Tulsa. We got Mister yeah. Tony Morales here in the Colorado Springs with me, brother. How you doing, man? Uh, things are going good. You? I'm doing good. I got my Cavassier. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> Colin. Is that fancy? I don't even know. Tell me. I don't. I just don't actually know. Well, I believe, I believe Cavassier is how you pronounce Canadian mist in French. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what you drinking there, Mr. Tony? Uh, I got basic rum and coke. Ah. What kind of rum is it? Yeah, heavy on the rum, light on the coke. Hell yeah. Captain Morgan's. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Did you ever drink Whaler's? I can't say that I have, actually, no. It was a staple of mine in college. I went through bottle after bottle of that stuff, and it probably has contributed to most of my gray hair. Morales has a way better (laughs) shoot job than us, dude, so probably not. (laughs) But a lot less hair. (laughs) I got it it all for everybody here, man. Well, it's issue 69, guys, and it's a threesome. This is the uh, this is the lamest threesome I've I've been in lately. Yes, I know. <laughs> not my best, not my worst, not my best. Just not kidding. My worst. I've woken up to a few tragedies before. It's all right. Tragedies. Tony, do you ever date goth chicks before, man? I have actually. Yes. Yeah, you ever woken up to like a completely different fucking person? <laughs> <laughs> the makeup comes off, and you're just not sure what happened. Yeah, yeah. You got to do that like one thirty. 1.59 p.m. club is closed and shuffle and take what you can get. <laughs> 1.59. If a club actually stayed open that late. I know, right? You gotta get, you gotta get that figured out way earlier. Well, tell us where you've been, man. Like, uh, give us a little bit. Now, you, you've been in parts unknown making movie magic. Yeah, I've been doing a movie out of, out of town for a while. Uh, still in state. Um, there's not a lot that I really like... There's a lot of NDAs, of course, non-disclosure agreements, for those of you that don't do that kind of thing. But uh, there's a lot of that, and then there's a a lot of just unfortunate stuff happened on this project. There's a lot of interpersonal problems. There's a lot of uh, um, there was a lot of we had to shut down for quarantine reasons. But honestly, if you get on anything right now and look at film projects they're constantly closing down for quarantines somebody has a false positive if you know you got people testing every day uh for various zones of um interaction with right. the with the lead performers and then you have different people testing at different times because they're working with background or because maybe they don't really encounter 
the actor as much. So uh, <clears throat> you have to various levels of commitment, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, you get a false positive and then they got to backtrace something and see who's been interacting with that person. And you can lose most of your crew in a, in a you know, you find that out. I mean, you and I were recording one night when I got a call about that, and uh, that turned into one of the roughest weeks I've ever worked. And then you uh, you get your people back because they weren't sick, and then a few weeks later, one person was sick, and then, you know, you've got to backtrace it and do the whole thing. We had a big quarantine. I never got sick. Uh, somebody in my immediate department definitely got sick, and um, everybody has turned out okay, near as I can tell. Uh, I don't think anybody uh, has faced authentic like mortality, but um, there was some tragedy on this show for sure. And and uh, when we get, you know when it comes out, maybe I can talk about it. But uh, it'll it'll be a while before that happens. And um, yeah, that's really about as much as I can say about it. Uh, other than that, just getting home has been very. I mean, it's a it's a mess in here. I keep trying to pick up and get things organized and uh i've got it down to where now there's just a mess of comic books out nice. <laughs> and dvds <laughs> beautiful so yeah what have you guys been up to yeah we've been uh we've been hitting the uh the grindstone um mm-hmm. shit we tony what are we using like six seven comics um yeah between two of us normally like, i got a bunch here myself right now i got about eight or nine that yeah. out, you know, talk about like three or four today see what happens yeah, but we're uh, we're doing our favorite DF listers today. I've got a long list, <laughs> and I'm gonna whittle it down as we go. Uh, Tony, why don't you lead us off? Favorite D lister? Oh, or, or not not favorite? Well, like uh, you know, no no essential order. Oh, definitely. Now, um, first one I want to present to the group would be uh, Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Totally, didn't it? Wouldn't wouldn't he? Uh, uh, he was the the one that was featured in one of the cartoon series, right? Yeah, he, he's a member of the Teen Titans in the Love it. in the animated series. Well, yeah. So yeah, he, he's he's phenomenal. How'd you? I, I'd say I mean, a lot of my D list got like a lot of the D listers I kind of relegated as such were uh, team guys that weren't you know main the main focus. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of we, me, and we were having a little bit of a conversation about it earlier, talking about what does and doesn't, you know, relegate yeah. a guy to the D list. I gotta run. Yeah, I, mean, I feel the same way about most of my guys. Like they've been, maybe they were a listers and they've fallen off. It feels like trading sports personalities around. You know, like you yeah. never know who's going to be good on in this moment or who's going to respond to what. Mm-hmm. Not to mention mm. the fact that like some people that we would consider a listers, most people don't give a would give a damn about like well i mentioned spawn earlier to tony i was like yeah he's an a-lister in my mind but like in most people's minds like he's like not even a blip on their radar anymore yeah yeah no i get that yeah no mm. it definitely didn't land but how, how did we land on blue beetle brother ah oh, dude i've always been a big fan like i started really getting into him during the uh the new 52 yeah like i really enjoyed his series because you know they kind of changed things up where it was more that uh, it was like an alien that was grafted to his back, the scarab, as yeah. opposed to previously just kind of being, you know, Ted Cord. And Ted Cord was like his mentor, which I kind of thought was a nice little twist. 
but like the alien race, there was the alien race that was against the scarabs was coming after him, and he was trying to hide it from his friends and all that. You know, kind of the basic, you know, high school superhero. You know, trying to get my grade to get the girl, while at the same time trying to save the world. So I really kind of, you know, got into that pretty solid. I had all the issues from that in the '52, but then you know, Rebirth. We haven't really seen too much of him. I don't. I don't believe he's a Titan, is he? No, as of right now, no, he is not a Titan. No. Okay. But yeah, that's kind of where I think he was in the um, the uh, the first Rebirth issue for like a minute, where they were talking about how I think it was because um, it was him and Ted Cord, and then uh, Doctor Fate showed up, mm-hmm. and they were the whole the whole thought process now was that the Beetle was not necessarily alien, but he was actually magical. Oh, weird. But then I don't... Yeah, and I kind of... You know, I haven't heard anything about him since. I always... I, I liked him because I liked that new costume design a whole lot. And my little boy, when when he was on Teen Titans, uh, my little boy gravitated towards him, probably because of the color patterns that were going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so it was one of those things, like, I had to buy a specific individual hero clicks of him just for my kid... And uh, I don't know, you know, it's not like we ever got to really play with that one or anything, but I just really, I had an affection for him mainly because my boy had an affection for him, and I just thought, oh, yeah, they're doing something new with him. That's pretty rad. But, yeah. Yeah, I got the I I got got personality. I got a similar thing with my uh, my son's in the pro wrestling right now, and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I need to get this action figure. I need to get this action figure. And I'm like, okay, those aren't, those aren't guys I necessarily like, but he loves them. Yeah, yeah. That's always a cool thing. I love that about kids. Uh, and even, you know, Joshua, when you and I went to that first wrestling match, what was it, was 2015 or something? Wrestling That match. one, the first one for me. It was a Raw. That wrestling match. Yeah, yeah, we went to Raw. <laughs> that didn't take you to a and, house and I was show, just like, Yeah, I was, I was like, I, I like that guy. And it was Dean Ambrose. <laughs> Oh, nice. It was so weird that you, to you, it was weird that I would like that guy. But uh, there it was. You just like what you like. Yeah, Mm because we we stopped at a, uh, like a taco place beforehand and I was wearing my Kevin Owens gear. The the old school uh, NXT, uh, the duct tape one. Yeah, yeah, okay. That was bitching. That's I, a great I shirt. still got it. It's, it's still in great condition. And some fucking fat guy in a fucking Seth Rollins shirt starts giving me shit. And I was like, man, I am already drunk and ready to fuck someone up. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't even made it to the matches yet. I know, right? Not to the wrestling. You got to go to the wrestling match. The wrestling match. All right, all right. Get it out of your mouth, man. Wrestling match. <laughs> fucking, uh, who's your, who's your, uh, Colin, who's your D-lister? My, okay, D-lister. I got guy. I, I, I've got a guy that doesn't even have powers, so I don't even know if that I, he's way down there. But he's still the smartest guy in the room, and he's there. It's Peter Corbo. I like Peter Corbo. Do you guys know who that is? Yes, I do. I have no idea, actually. Joshua, you definitely know who it is. Um, he's a guy that is a Chris Claremont creation, and he got a lot more play. Uh, in uh, I don't know what his first appearance is off the top of my head, so I'm guessing he probably popped up initially in uh, the in the Uncanny X Men run. But I feel like he mainly blew up more in the Hulk 
uh, series, The Incredible Hulk, in the early 80s or the late 70s. He doesn't have any powers. He's a smart guy that uh, wants to do space exploration, and he is the head scientist and facilitator behind a project called StarCore, which was monitoring the sun. And uh, so in the Hulk, I know that, like, he's friends with Reed Richards. He's friends with a lot of different smart guy characters. And they're like, hey, we might be able to reverse the Hulk uh, if we can uh, zap him with something through StarCore. And it works. But then they realize that, uh, you know, the the energy that they pulled out of the sun is going to cause the sun to go supernova. And they're like, we got to put it back in the Hulk. It's just such a dumbass thing. But, like, this character has popped up occasionally, and no one ever uses him except Chris Claremont because he's his guy. And I don't know if that – like, that would be a panel discussion question for me if I was meeting Chris Claremont or having him sign something. Like, dude, uh, do, is no one else allowed to use him, or does nobody care, or did you ever have any bigger plans for this guy? And. Obviously, you know, Joshua and I have had had concepts on this for a while that we uh, were, you know, we'll see if we can ever get to utilize. But, um, yeah, he's just he's a regular dude. And uh, I don't know if powers qualifies you as being a D-lister or not having powers get you into the J-lister. But uh, whatever, you know, fascinating dude to me. Keeping the list going. Going to make sure I don't miss anyone's D-lister. What do you got? Throw one out, man. Morph. Morph, yes. Ooh. Morph. Uh, I have, uh, like, just like you are talking about earlier about a, a guy that you saw for the first time at the WWE Raw that we went to, <laughs> uh, and you laid one look on somebody, and you're like, that's my guy. Uh, I felt the same way about Morph in uh, the X-Men comics. In the, I'm sorry, the cartoon. Uh, they eventually didn't put... Oh, the X-Men cartoon yeah. morph into the comics, but they had kind of a lamer version of him in starting from Age of Apocalypse. I almost landed on Blink from Age of Apocalypse as well and uh, Exiles, but Morph was... Blink is badass. Morph... Yeah. Oh, agreed. But the reason I landed on Morph is because Morph was our... the. I don't know if... It would have been really, really good without Morph. But in, in the cartoon, Morph himself was us. He was the guy that was... I wanted to be Wolverine's pal. Like, he, he wasn't as powered as everyone else. He was just lucky to be on the goddamn team. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the, I, I immediately loved him. I, like, you know, he, he took the hit for Wolverine. I mean, he, he was part of the X-Men. The, the idea that he was able to fight off anything that Sinister would put into his head... I hated what they did with him in Age of Apocalypse. It was still fun. I mean, obviously, he was kind of a, a, a uh, rip-off of Mimic from the early issues of X-Men. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had... I, I really loved the classic, like, generic X-Men co- uh, costume. the Just the blue and the yellow. Even oh, when, yeah. Even when Wolverine's got it on, he had the cool bomber jacket on before Cyclops did. And, um, yeah, that's, that's why I like Morph. Yeah. I mean, like... Uh, he was like the one out of all of the X-Men uh, action figures. I had to have him. Like, that was... I gotta look that up. I could never find him. And I didn't find him until, shit, maybe like 2007 when I went to Vintage Stock in Norman uh, with this really, really hot chick. And I told her what I was looking for. They had a ton of toys. I got distracted by some comics. And she was like, hey, 
Is this the guy you're talking about? And she she's fucking holding it and like, God, you're getting it tonight, girl. <laughs> Dude, you okay, can be yeah, easily so bought. Yeah. That's the thing that gets me. Okay, Morph in the cartoon series, he always well, wasn't he a villain? Well, the thing was is that he uh, he when he took that blast for Wolverine for, with the Sentinels, mm-hmm. um, in the infamous line Wolverine fall back, and you know he got shot. They you know they had to leave him there. Uh, they they actually Cyclops made the decision. You know we we left a man behind, and Wolverine was gonna murder him for doing it. Yeah. But Sinister, it was revealed Sinister showed up and put this bug in the, in his temple that it, you know he turned into Dark Morph, and you know was a yeah. antagonist every now and then. But Wolverine would always find him and talk him back into sanity, and then he'd say oh. thank you, and then take off again, and then. He'd come back as a bad guy because he couldn't handle it anymore. But but yeah, uh, that, that's that's. I fine. just remember seeing dozens of. It just felt like dozens of episodes with this character with dark patches around his eyes. Yeah. Looking like a living dead uh, character for you know it was like, is this the whole show now? Is it just this guy wandering around skulking about? Oh, you like obviously haven't watched that many X Men episodes then, man. Because he was maybe for whatever seven. reason. That was a crazy thing when, the, when this was in the first run, and it felt like they showed those again and again and again. So those were the only ones I was catching it and catching, and that was paired up with like. But it was like if you were watching Spider Man, you would see there was just new stuff going on forever. But simultaneously, that sh- uh, and I'm I, you know what I'm gonna save my Spider Man comments for when I'm doing Symbiote Spider Man because it's exactly what I thought when I was reading it earlier. So uh, anyway, yeah. Tony, you're on deck. You're 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 yeah. You're up. Oh, already. See, next one I got. I'd, I thought it would have been a deep cut, but it's definitely not a Peter Corbo deep cut. <laughs> I'm gonna throw out Angelo Espinosa, skin from Generation X. No shit, dude. I almost landed on Chamber on that one. Good call. Oh yeah, no. Um, you know, skin was. I was a big fan of Skin. You know, he was a Hispanic from. I think it was from South Central LA, you know. Um, but I always thought he was really cool, you know, as, you know, I'm, I'm half Caucasian and half Puerto Rican. So I always kind of led towards those Hispanic characters. Me too, man. But, like, one of the biggest things with skin for me was always, like, they like the, the potential to be more. Like, skin, like, he went out of his way to get into the X-Men to better his life. And he had this, like six feet of extra skin it was always specifically six feet which i always thought was kind of funny but he um you know he would you know he could do stuff like he could freaking you know make objects with it or he could you know tighten it up and look human but like part of me always kind of wondered if like what would have happened if skin had gone rogue if he'd gone evil i almost feel like he could have been a car carnage level bad guy Really? Because like a lot of oh, the, it's a lot of the same thought process with the symbiotes, you know. If you tighten, if you tighten the skin enough, it almost becomes a blade. No, absolutely. Oh, and I'm like, there's a lot of similar things you can do with it. And I like in the back of my mind, I was always like, you know, what if they'd done that? But like, they never really got that far because pretty much every iteration of him died. Yep. You know, he you know oh. he got crucified and he got you know. Um, the Age of Apocalypse, he got left in the uh, in the tunnels, and like he ne- and I think Ultimate X, I think they don't even have him on there, or they freaking just they just like say and like a, one of the characters just says, "Hey, skin's dead." I don't know. Ultimate X Men, death by human in uh, in Ultimate Marvel. 
He yeah. was beaten to death by humans, and they just offhandedly mention it. No, oh, that sucks. What a shitty. And I'm just like, he never like he's a different. For me, he's like one of the top, the first guys that came to my mind as a D-list hero, because he never really got his chance to really shine. For real, yeah. Wow. What a good pick. Man. That's that's the thing. It's like there's so many X books, and there are so many. So many forced X characters like you and, you know, Joshua and I have talked about it year after year, this business of where you've got there's an X-Men for there's an X character for every conceivable thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like how, you know, like at any given moment, it feels like one one X character should just have powers that are so incomprehensible and amazing that they would overpower the entire franchise leading x team like hey i can do everything that you guys can do like rogue like why like they put just pushed rogue so hard for every good reason too like the um, the astonishing amount of power and capability that she had and uh it's just you know you look at these characters and you i've got to wonder like are they like how long does it take somebody to go insane from the amount of power that they've got or the amount of stuff that they're going through because they're forced into the forefront of the action again and again and again. But they never yeah. explore that. And it's like, how many how many others have this like unfortunate demise because they just happen to be in the wrong place at the right time when, I don't know, you know, the human show up and steal their power or something like that when they just de- trap down with the Morlocks or something. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like I'm going off on a tangent. I'm not entirely sure that there's an... In- but it's, it's an interesting story. tangent, though, because it's almost like they have P- like PTSD, basically. Yeah. Like you're doing all this stuff, and, like, like there, there's going to be an effect on you. That's what I really appreciated about the 198 title mm-hmm. that came out some years ago, like 2005-ish, I think. The, the idea that, like... Who is resilient enough of a person, let alone a mutant, to not only survive the loss of all of these other people's powers, but like to manage themselves in circumstances as bad as that, to lose your entire kind of race, I guess. And like, is that part of it? Is it is it so much so that like, of course, Cyclops isn't going to lose his powers, but the story would have been way better if it had been like, oh, why yeah. does, ju- why does uh, the blob lose his powers and not Wolverine? I mean, it, that, that, that would have been astonishing comparatively. And then like suddenly let these D E F listers end up being at the top of the heap for a while and make it a story about these guys trying to figure out what they're going to do. And you know, they're going to get their powers back right. ultimately, yeah. but like, Oh man. Yeah. Just, yeah. Better that would have been amazing. Like, can you imagine if like Generation X was still around and like, but like Banshee and Emma Frost had lost their powers, and all of a sudden the kids are the ones that are with the powers? That could have been amazing. Exactly, and they're totally unruly because they don't have the training, they don't have the experience to know how to be adults about it all. So, mm-hmm. how long does it take for them to implode? You know. So, like, uh, New Mutants without uh, Professor X and without Cable. Yeah. The, the, yeah, completely. It, it's funny you say that because that's exactly what Teen Titans, what they just wrapped up the story was, is that Teen Titans went, they their leader was Damian fucking Wayne, man, and the guy's a fucking oh. dick and a manipulative little asshole, but he's he's usually right in the end when like ends make the means, but they were, Damian 
convince them that it was a good idea to rather than catch the people that they were after and you know you know give them over to the authorities he would uh they would trap them in a dungeon and wipe their minds Ugh. oh wow yeah in in and the last bit of uh what they just wrapped up on teen titans was them fixing their mistakes after damien uh was exiled from the from teen titans batman effectively called an end to teen titans and but they said fuck it we got to find the dudes that we we really screwed over and make it right that's a, that's awesome, dude. That's it was, awesome. Yeah. dude. I, yeah. I, I, I when I turned the page to when I when I when I you know looked at the first cover, not the first cover, like the cover of the latest issue of Teen Titans. I'm like, sweet Teen Titans, we got crushed there. We got Mon- and I just and then all of a sudden my eyes focus and zoom in on final issue. Son of a bitch! <laughs> like, oh, I don't, don't want to blow man. this. I don't want to blow this character because we're talking about that issue tonight, correct? No, no, we're not going to talk about Teen Titans. Okay, so, um, that's I'm a little. But we are now it. because I got to ask this: Are they doing a new creative team? Is somebody else taking over the title? Is it just a new number one? New? Is it final issue? Blah blah blah. Bullshit. We're going to come back in six months or no? What? It makes it makes sense why they're going to make a new number one. I just wish they would at least have a legacy legacy numbering at the at under uh, yeah. un, under it. To, to, to it doesn't feel like, like a very deep thing to do, though. Right, but uh, Dick Grayson has taken over uh, the as Nightwing. Nice, because Dick Grayson. Is, nice, okay. And uh, Tony, Mr. Tony here is a big, big fan of Nightwing. Man, I love hearing him go off on Nightwing. There's man. nothing to to dislike about Nightwing. Nightwing oh, yeah. has been a great character forever and ever. That is the best, most appropriate uh, continuation of a kid growing up. That's the it's this that's the that's the greatest success story in good way to teen sidekick development or, or just Batman the entire in industry. Yeah, Batman didn't ruin him; he ruined everyone else. <laughs> Maybe Dick Grayson couldn't be ruined. Maybe he was too much the Robin. Maybe he is exactly what Alfred and Batman and Robin said. You know, maybe he's just this guy that he's you know you can't let this stuff stop you. It's it's such a platitude. Anyway, sorry, I, yeah. I go on and who's who's your? Uh, who's... Oh, we're gonna tangent. Don't worry. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're gonna. The whole show is about tangents. Who's your who's your guy, man? That's a good question. Should I let me ask you this? I, I can go so many directions. Should I talk about a guy that I feel like was pressed as an A lister and has been forced into the D list, or should I talk about an, like another D lister? What do you think? I say D lister. Okay, then... Uh, Wait, well, Tony, hold on, hold on, Tony, what do you say? Uh, Doc, D-Lister's good, man. We can always do the A to D later. Save that for number three. Okay, okay. So I'm going to go with Dread Knight. Oh! Like, I can't... Dread Knight is so not on the radar that I can't even think of specific issues that he's in. He is quantifiably the only allowed slash the only superhero from or in Latveria, Dr. Doom's country, except for Dr. Doom. Like, how many humans, how many people can you actually name who live in Latveria? I am sure there's a Latveria fan out there who can just be like, oh, well, this guy, that guy, blah, 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 blah. I'm reading Dr. Doom right now. There's all these people, Kristoff, etc. Right. Like, why is Dread Knight not in the current Doctor Doom title. I don't understand it. Like, he's not dead. 
I've never think, seen anything where he's dead. I think it has to do with the writers, man, because one thought that escaped my mind from when we were talking about skin when, when uh, Rollins brought him up, uh, I, I thought it was such an injustice that they would just write him off so fast. Yeah. Uh, skin on... Uh... All this noise. Somebody got a washing machine going on in their bed? <laughs> No, the, uh, the the fact that they would they would write him off so easily, I feel like the writer was like, man, I fucking hate Skin. I'm going to kill him off just because. Dude, I wouldn't put it past anybody. When you think about the Jeff Loeb's out there, well, I, I mean, I mean you know, from, for as much as we can understand Jeff Loeb's psyche, uh, you know, hating on the Ultimate Universe, somebody will just hate a character and eliminate them. Agreed. Tony, what are you doing? You playing ping pong? Oh, no, I was just looking up a topic real quick, so I was just kind of messing on my computer. No, no worries, brother. Just making sure. Hopefully, that's not what the noise was. No, no worries, man. I uh, didn't know if you were using an abacus to figure it out, or if it was a, <laughs> or if you were throwing bones. Tony, we're just, we're just, we're just. <laughs> no, I haven't man. heard of Dread Knight, so I was kind of looking him up. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, he's he's basically he's is he super powered? Is he imbued with the power of? Of of dark magic is he granted this ability by Doctor Doom? No, not necessarily. He's a cool looking dude in a cool looking kind of knight's armor with a uh, a jousting setup going on. He's got like a power lance. He's like I feel like he's on a winged horse, a Pegasus maybe in uh, some issues, and then he's flying around on like a hover horse in other issues, kind of like. The the uh, the Black Knight from the Avengers, um, he's just a weird character. That's oh, we just need a vaguely honorable fighter from Latveria that isn't always Doctor Doom. And I'm like, good, explore this. Like, you got the Soviet super soldiers, you've got the Chinese super soldier program. Where Z- when we when we were introduced to Zorn in like 2000 2001, like. I would love for other countries besides Captain Britain and, you know, whatever, or... Yeah, so, something you know, so like, cliche and propagandist. Exactly. Like, I love the Liberators from Ultimates Volume 2. The Colonel and the Speedster from North Korea and the, uh, the, uh, um, the Abomination, technically from Russia, because right. it was still Emil Blonsky. I mean... That was good stuff. Like, I loved those iterations of those characters, but I'm like, Dread Knight, man, it's Latveria. I feel like somebody should be coming up against him every so often, especially with this business that's going on in the current Doctor Doom book. But if he got killed off panel, and we would never have heard about it because it's a hermit society, a closed society, dude, I'll take that, but somebody please just write it in for me so I can say, all right, that's full circle. Because so much crap, like, you know I listen to so much content about the Soviet Union. Yeah. And uh, there's so many things that we're never going to know the truth of because it was such a clamped down society. And that that's what I can appreciate about the concept of Latveria. And I don't know, you know, he's just a guy that, like, if, Tony, if you don't know who he is, I don't blame you. Like, it's just something I latched onto, and that's why he's a D-lister. I wouldn't even qualify a D-lister. He's probably I, an M-lister. I barely, <laughs> I barely know, barely know anything about him, but I, I dig it. Uh, my, yeah, I guarantee most of the people who are listening have never heard of this guy before, yeah. and this is it. This is the first time. Anyway, yeah, what's it up? makes sense. It makes sense that there's a Doctor Doom. So why wouldn't there be 
a hero in the area, but like you never, it never came up. Never heard of him. Well, that's a crazy thing. He might be a hero, but he's a hero to Latverian principles. And that means he is a subject of Dr. Doom and, and he does Dr. Doom's people. bidding. Yep. So he's a state sponsored, super powered individual, whether or not he qualifies as a good guy. And I think that's okay. also part of what's so fascinating about him to me is what can you do with a character like that? Well, it's just anyway, like, that's what... it's just, uh, just to wrap it up. It's just like what, what they always say about uh, what we, they always say about spies. And when I saw about some uh, lady, I can't remember who she was. She, apparently she was for the CAA or something like that. But her point that the one thing she really learned about being a, a spy is that each spy feels that they're working for the good guys. That's mm-hmm. totally true. Yeah. Yeah. You have to think you're like, even today I was, uh, somebody posted a whole business about, um, about, uh, Ricardo Montalban and his, his persona or his persona or uh, his performance is con in Star Trek and Star Trek two, the wrath of con and how wrong. he, he was, yeah, he was like, Hey, you know, the villain never thinks they're the bad guy. And I experience that all the time with people who are, wrong about things and i'm like am i wrong about this i don't know but you know i don't think i'm wrong well, those These, sort of, just issues constantly come up but those sort of foils are what helps make us be better humans and better friends and better people is when you instead of like asking hey who did you vote for if someone asks you who they who you voted for oh, they, they've they've got a loaded gun to your head because if you don't give them the answer they want they've got a bullet there ready to destroy any argument you have they have no in any way that the in, in intention to hear why you would have done that even if it was exactly exactly yeah. man anyway. that's how cut and dry our freaking world is right now at least in the united states and then it's just nobody is really interested in hearing about the gray area of overlap Correct. of or and it's not even the gray area it's the purple area anymore well, and I'm like, guys, you know, I'm not a one, I'm not a one ticket guy, and I'm not a, I'm not a one uh, agenda person. It's not all gun control. It's not all abortion issues. It's not all health care. You know, right? We have opinions on these things. So whatever. Anyway, yeah, man. Cool. Good, good, good points. All right. So I was gonna say, or I had a shitload of X Men on this list. I was gonna say. <laughs> A load of <laughs> D-list X-Men. Yeah. That's... I was gonna say there are a I was gonna say Dazzler. I was gonna say Longshot. I was gonna say the Cuckoos. I was gonna say Doug Ramsey. I was even gonna say Hydra Bob from fucking Deadpool. But I'm actually <laughs> landing on a villain. And hear me out on this, man, guys. Dark Beast. Dude, I love Dark Beast. But yeah. let me ask you this. Is Dark Beast the same Dark Beast from the end of the legendary Grant Morrison New X-Men run? Yes. Or is it is the same it's one? It's the same one. There's yeah. only there's one and only Dark Beast. And the reason I brought him up is because uh, he is... The only difference between him and non-Dark Beast or Blue Beast or Feral Beast or whatever you mm-hmm. want to land on is that Dark Beast makes no qualms about what he's doing. Now, there are so many different fucking stories where Beast 
fucked up, and we have 12 issues to fix something. Like, for example, the first thing that pops in my head, uh, Tony, did you read uh, uh, New X-Men when they brought back the original six, or uh, five, uh, into the, like, he pulled them from the past. And I, I didn't know, man. Freaking the Beast has made so many fucking terrible mistakes, and everyone is like, you know, we gotta figure it out. We'll be mean to him during, the, you know, we're gonna be shitty to him during the entire uh, escapade. But Dark Beast is like, man, you know what? Fuck y'all. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kidnap whoever I want because the ends meet the, the, you know, the ends meet the means, and uh, and uh, fuck it, <laughs> like. We, we get introduced to him as this evil mad scientist in the Age of Apocalypse, and then as things progress, I mean, like, the last storyline of the X-Men before we got into the whole Krakoa-Arako business and, you know, mutants only, uh, Dark Beast was a huge integral part about their success. And he wasn't even just blackmailed into it. Of course, the Wolverine was going to cut his fucking head off. But I, I just wanted to talk about the interesting idea that there's very... Very little difference between Dark Beast and not Evil Beast. I don't know. No, you're right, dude. I've been reading. No, I've been reading X Force, and uh, Beast is a integral part in that. But like, he's always kind of sending sending guys out on suicide missions, and he's you know <laughs> yeah. he wants to get all the stuff done. <laughs> yep. He never wants to do it himself. He's always he and, never you know, wants to get his hands dirty. You're exactly right. He's always the guy and, in the fucking earpiece. Yeah. He's, you know, growing up watching the cartoon, it was like, oh, no, he, he he would never do that. But now it's like, oh, Beast is kind of an asshole. He's kind of a complete <laughs> asshole. But that, that's, that's all I got on Dark Beast, guys. Tony, what you got next? Oh, um, up until a couple of years ago, this guy was definitely like a CD lister. But I'm going to throw out there uh, Mr. Miracle. Oh, hell yeah. All right, nice. Yeah. Well, like I didn't really know about him until the uh, I was like watching some old uh, I think like what culture comics or some nonsense and they kept talking about him. So I went and started picking up that twelve issue series that they did a couple years ago, and I couldn't put that down. That was amazing. Like you know, for a guy that's you know got like kind of what we were talking about earlier, you know, this guy can escape anything. It's his whole power, his whole ability. But like you, you, know, you read about his backstory and how his dad gave him the dark side, you know. And yes, it was to ensure peace because they exchanged children. But like this guy sacrificed his son to Dark Side on Apocalypse. Beautiful. And you know that, that's what the kid had to grow up with. You know, talk about some PTSD. Mm-hmm. You know, he turns around. You know, and, you know he finds. You know, throughout all that, you know, he finds. Barda and he finds love and they escape. Barda? You know, they get to the earth. You know, him and big him and Big Barda are freaking they've Ooh. been together forever. But, but did you, I'm, you gonna, know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna interject real quick. Uh when we first started Minefields, I kept telling Colin over and over, we gotta find a DC guy. <laughs> <laughs> we got yep. so thank you for that, man. Like help me yeah, out with this. Not a problem. I'm, I'm your Huckleberry, man. No, I'm, I'm your Huckleberry. Your Huckleberry. Dude, we, we we appreciate it, man. Like it's one of those things like where like I grew up pretty much strictly Marvel. I did too. I was a huge X Men fan. Yeah, but you 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 did the deep dives, man. It's only in the past like maybe like five six years I've done any sort of dives into DC. 
Uh, help me out with Mr. Miracle's powers here, man. Like, uh, like, why is it, like, I always get confused with um, Dr. Fate's helmet. Uh, no, the whole thing with Mr. Miracle is he's basically the world's greatest escape artist. Like, he has a natural, innate ability to escape anything. Plus, when he got here, he was trained by one of the world's greatest escape artists, the original Mr. Miracle, Thaddeus Brown, I believe his name is. And, um... You know, that's, and you know, you can tell it by the name because his real name's Scott Free. <laughs> oh, so, but yeah, um, like we were talking about, you know, I'm a big uh, deceased fan right now. And at the end of the second series, um, Barda and Mr. Miracle are, you know, eaten by the zombies. And then in the third series, um, turns out that Mr. Miracle, of course, escaped because <laughs> Constantine. Constantine finds him, and even though the whole thing is, even though he didn't want to escape because you know his wife was eaten, and you know he 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 escaped because that's his power. That's what he does. He's Mister Miracle. That's all. Awesome. He can escape anything. Yeah, I, I bought the. First so it seems to be like one of those powers that isn't a big deal until it's a huge deal. No, that's a the, dude. That's like that's one of the reasons why I almost landed on Doug Ramsey because his his idea is that his mutant power is learning any language, like big deal. But when I really understood the power of language, if we ever play D and D together, the first thing that my character does is know every goddamn language, and then like every time I play with a new group, like why would you want that? And then we get into the story, and um, all of a sudden, I am pretty goddamn fucking essential. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, just just like um, uh, what's going on in X of Swords right now was uh, Doug Doug Ramsey was uh, picked to be one of the swordsmen, and he has never wielded a sword before. He has that little bit of a trump card that he's his sword is warlock. But then when uh, Magic was training him, yeah. he realized that swordsmanship is a language of telling the body language of your opponent, and in which case. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see him actually fight. Um, his he was his. It was uh, a lovely ceremony, though. Dude, I had to keep. I dude, I kept looking at that woman's face. I'd, I'd read a page, go back and look at her face. It was a lovely. You're damn right. It was a lovely ceremony. Uh, but yeah, that's but that's that. But the, the the parallel I'm drawing here is the idea: if you can escape from something, it also reminds me of uh, Doctor Who's sonic screwdriver. Uh, it doesn't blast rays or anything like that, but if he, if he can figure out a way to to imagine what's going on right now is me trying to open a door, then it's gonna work. You can do the okay. same thing with with escape. Like, man, my my head's kind of blown up with it at the moment right now, man. Like, uh, I mean, it, it, applying it to firearms, applying it to. Uh, Shit, man! If I could, uh, Doug, uh, it's KJ and Jack. Sorry, guys. Uh, KJ and Jack. In the Try in. Yeah, the pups. But yeah, man, good choice, man. What do you got next, Colin? Um. All right, so I'm gonna do a fallen A-lister then, uh, and I'm gonna. I think it's arguable that anyone would quantify this guy as an A-lister, um, except that they were trying to develop him as a, as a. As somebody to pass the torch off to in the 90s from Spider-Man. So I think we can probably guess who this is. Uh, no, it's Darkhawk. Oh. Though I will say, oh. I will say 
there was a Ben Riley Spider Man in costume at my um, absentee ballot voting line <laughs> the day after Halloween. Uh, yeah, that dude's costume was pretty legit. Like Scarlet uh, Spider? And I was the only guy who knew what it was. Scarlet yeah, I walked up. I was like, hey, nice Scarlet Spider costume, dude. And he was like, man, thanks. You're the only guy that knows that I'm not Peter Parker. <laughs> like, Okay, cool, dude. Well, don't melt. I hope you're not a clone. And uh, so, yeah, no, Darkhawk, man. I mean, it's it's 1990, 1991. There's a new kid character in the market, uh, you know, because Spider-Man's 30. Spider-Man's an adult. How much teen drama can we expect out of a Spider-Man who's married and who is... Uh, who's been dealing with stuff for so long. And then how much do we really know about whether, well, how much time has really passed in the Marvel universe? Like is Captain America aging? Uh, are the X-Men grownups now? It's a big question. So they're like, okay, well let's start this dark Hawk character and see if that takes off. Unfortunately it became a 50 issue story and probably about the first maybe 25 are really really worth it. The rest of them are hard to get through. And then every attempt to do anything with Darkhawk since has only been good when it's been cosmically oriented. Uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning I don't know. You know what? Now that I think of it, I'm not sure they did anything with Darkhawk. But he has a big tie-in with Richard Ryder, Nova. And um, there was a whole lot of stuff that they did during War of the Kings with Darkhawk. And then again recently with Ascension. Uh, basically, I mean, when your backstory is written and then rewritten and then rewritten in an attempt to find a way to make you relevant or even quantifiable um you're a d-lister and even yeah. then like when you're in a book called the losers and you're playing <laughs> your 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 character is a guy who is in a in a like um al-anon type situation where you're trying not to use your powers and you're trying to lead a normal life despite being a super powered person um and then you get thrown on an island to battle it out with your superpowers against other similarly unfortunate characters by arcade. You're a D-lister, um, dude. If you're in a, if I'm, you're if you're recruited by arcade, you are absolutely a D to like X-lister, man. Like there's he never picks any good yeah. navigators. I I am surprised Aww. how often arcade has popped up to futz around with people's lives. In the last three years, like that entire Dan Slot Spider-Man thing with Arcade and the big impenetrable dome and all of the animal-themed Tony, villains being tracked Tony, down by Craven. Tony, he doesn't oh. know. Uh, oh, what's going on now? He's the... You tell him. Uh, we were going over uh, victims, actually. Wolverine no, Gambit not, not, with the Cade. No, no, no. We were talking about that. But wait, he's the he's the bad guy in the Black Widow story going on right now. He's the one. That... No, I just saw that. Okay. Oh, good. yeah. I've got that. Yeah. All right. I've, just... I've been, read that first issue, and I've got the rest of them in a stack. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you're, yeah. Arcade. 
I mean, good God. Dude, uh, I but love like, how we're bringing up other D-listers to describe the other D-listers. Exactly. exactly. That's how you know you're a D-lister when you hang out with other D-listers. <laughs> you're jobbers, man. You're yeah. fucking jobbers. <laughs> if you had jobbers. If it's you, like if Kite Man and Condiment King. Yeah, exactly. look good hanging around D-listers. Um, or Stiltman. Oh, God. I saw a Stiltman <laughs> costume cosplay the day. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> all right so i got i'm gonna go feel, i'm gonna go full heel again and i'm landing on the chainsaw vigilante from the tick the ch- oh. <laughs> from the tick the the very idea that this person can absolutely exist <laughs> um tony did you ever read the tick I never read it, but I, I used to freaking binge the uh, cartoon back in the day. Okay, so you know exactly. Like, they perfectly personified him in the comic, man. Like, when he assaults the civic-minded five, <laughs> it's, it's like, like Mr. Fourlegs or something like that. And, like, mm-hmm. uh, who, did, who else did he beat up? Like, he's like, I'm tired of you fucking guys playing pajama police in my fucking neighborhood. <laughs> These are regular people. Leave us alone. And, and it, it just there's not much to it, man. He's just this dude in a leather jacket and the the happy face mask and a fucking chainsaw. And you really, I, I really don't know how I can even argue more for him. Like he has no powers. Like he's he's got a chainsaw. He's got a fucking giant chip on his shoulder, and uh, he's got to get. They they never finished the. The, the 13 issues, the last 13th issue of The Tick uh, by Ben Edlund. They did a shitty fucking facsimile what if he had and printed it as 13 and of course I bought it but um, he was just lurking in the shadows. Like He was one of the best. Like He wasn't even comic relief. I mean he was funny. Um, like uh, he, he trimmed like I can't remember exactly the phrasing like uh, he killed Fernslinger. Yeah I trimmed his potted plant. Like the guys, like he, he just <laughs> fern slinger. Yeah, the guys like he was. He just threw plants at people. All right, like I, I just think he's a great idea. He didn't, like fling <laughs> vines or like grow like stick arms to prick people or whatever. I can't just grow holly leaves and thrash you or whip you with poison ivy. No, I just throw potted plants at you. <laughs> Envelope man trapped him in a giant envelope, and he just. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was one of the best things ever man i remember like in 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 the, the the tick like he was foiled by the tick because arthur was literally in costume pumping gas and tap 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 on his shoulder are you a are you a superhero <laughs> uh no <laughs> and he's trying to fight the tick and the tick just grabs him by his entire head and throws him into the windshield of his car <laughs> and then the fight was over and, and that's it I just like I, I'm sorry guys I, I don't have any other meat and potatoes on this guy but I just fucking love him good character man good character Tony what you got everybody man? race out to your local comic book store and find issues of the tick featuring Chainsaw Man right away <laughs> there is and, and if you actually do <laughs> You can probably find the entire graphic novel of... Uh, you can find probably... The, maybe, if you're lucky, find like a third or second printing or fifth of the omnibuses. Uh, omnibuses, But you there is a 
Edland edition. Sorry, Omnibuy. He does this. No, thing. I have no idea. Uh, Tony, he what, does what do you it. Think, he does what do you this. think an cool. issue? Like, what, do you, what do you think that uh, those omnibus editions cost? Oh, Just dude, they're, throw they're, an MSRP for me. Like, oh, dude, like if if you were getting the the one I'm talking about, the Edlin edition, where it collects everything Bed Edlin did, the original creator and artist and mm-hmm. inker everything, uh, probably that book is probably going to run you twenty seven dollars. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Are they color? Yeah. Oh, dude, and it's it's like phone book thick, dude. It's it's fucking it's it's worth every fucking penny. Are What's a phone book? What's a phone, What's a phone book? book? I'm only at this tool shop. For you millennials out there, <laughs> shit, you millennials. Hey, we might have just triggered someone. We're about to get fucking canceled. Thanks, man. Uh, I don't think not again. Gonna, I don't think I know, anybody right? can do that to us. All right, let's do uh, let's do one more round, and then we'll uh, give our runner-ups, and we'll go into the meat and potatoes of the comics. Tony, mm-hmm. you're up. Oh, we're gonna go. This is gonna be the last round. Shoot. Um, oh, I'm gonna bring up Caliban. Oh Ooh, yeah, good one, good one. Caliban from X Men or X. I think he was he was in X Factor, in X Force. I don't remember if he's ever actually in X Men or not. But he was always, and he was a Morlock originally. Yes, he was. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Plus, you know, he's a big time movie star now, being in, uh, it was what, in Logan for sure, and then Dude. X Men Apocalypse. Oh, 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 speaking of I which, I marked out in the Speaking of which, uh, the guy that played Caliban is the guy that directed uh, Fighting with My Family. Oh, Stephen yeah, Merchant, you're, yeah. Yep. You were telling me that the other day. Say, sorry, what's his name again? Stephen Merchant. Merchant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joshua, you were telling me that on the phone the other night. Mm. Sorry, brother. I just had to just throw that little quick little quip out there. Sorry, Tony. Oh no, you're good, dude. You're good. But yeah, no, his whole ability was that he could, all he all he could do originally was he could hunt other he could find other mutants. You know, which ended up being you know, um, as I recall, his cause he was he wanted to be he was always small and weak originally. And then when uh, Angel became Archangel because of Apocalypse, Caliban ended up going to Apocalypse and wanting to be more powerful. So he made him into this big hulking beast in a, in exchange for him, you know, basically helping him find other mutants. And I want to say he eventually became Death in the Four Horsemen. Oh, really? Was he was he part of Messiah Complex? I I believe so. Because oh. he's, he's another one of the mutants that definitely died and was brought back. I'm thinking it was I'm, I'm thinking he was one of the few that didn't get depowered. All right, you you keep talking. I'm gonna look that up. Mm. Yeah, I think you. I think he was. I think he was in the 198. Depowered mutants. Uh, every, just just briefly, so everybody knows what we're talking about. I mean, you can clearly Google the 198. Marvel's the 198, but that was a whole business after uh, uh, Avengers Disassembled and then uh, House of M, uh, when the Scarlet Witch, her probability control powers were her chaos magic that Doctor Strange was like, that doesn't actually exist. This is that we're living in some kind of strange thing in Wanda's mind. She's overpowering us all. And it was this business of like how uh, she had the famous line, you know, no more mutants. And pfft, all of the mutant characters, all of the X Factor, X Force, Static X, Generation X, 
X crapola, whatever, every freaking X thing, it was just like, boom, there's only 198 mutants left in the world who have mutant abilities. And uh, it's, it was a crisis. Um, so they were suddenly, you know, on the verge of extinction again, as if they aren't constantly jeopardized like that. So, yeah. Uh, so you think so? Caliban was one of the 198, huh? Yep, that's what uh, I looked it up a little bit earlier today because I wasn't really um, reading too much during that period. But yeah, he's uh, he's a member of the 198. Good. And then he ended up dying in Messiah Complex because he uh, jumped in front of a bullet meant for Warpath. Oh, oh wow! I remember that. That's uh, I mean, that hurt. Uh, that hurt. <laughs> that it didn't hurt as much as uh, Nightcrawler uh, taking the hit for Hope right later on. Oh, oh, dude, that was a, that's a gest- that's a serious. Those are both serious gestures of of nobility right there. Mm. Anyway, what you got, Colin? Um, I think I'm gonna screw everybody over again with another non-powered character and talk about Alyssa Moy. Oh, cool. Who is? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, authentically, Alyssa Moy is another character that should absolutely be utilized more often as a as an antagonizing foil for the Invisible Woman. Um, <clears throat> we have had Reed Richards living, you know, Mister Fantastic, the Fantastic Four, living in a state of I'm obsessed with science or my wife. And sometimes I'm more obsessed with science and that gets me in trouble for so long. The only other human female that has ever seemed to challenge him in a romantic fashion is Alyssa Moy. Uh, And there's a crap ball like early 2000s or late, late 90s. Reed Richards adventuring around with Alyssa Moy before he was the leader of the Fantastic Four before he even had powers. Like they qualify him as a, as a non-powered adventurer before all of that. And um, Alyssa Moy was his girlfriend. She's the smartest woman on earth. She is characterized sometimes as uh, Ms. Fantastic. Like, and then uh, gosh, dang it. What, what is the, uh, was it Hickman? Help me out here if you can remember. Somebody look it up, actually. Right, what, am I um, at? what am I looking at specifically? Oh, God. Was it was it Hickman that wrote uh, New World? There's a fantastic... I'm sorry, everybody. I should have thought about this, but I did, it just didn't occur to me. Um, in recent memory, 2015-ish, 2014, I, I could be completely wrong, and I really apologize. But because um, I'm just thinking about the character, I'm not thinking about all of these appearances. I, my favorite thing with her is probably the first thing I ever saw with her. Uh, there's a Fantastic Four run where she's married to a guy. Uh, I can't remember his first name. Castle, Ted Castle, I think, the richest man on Earth. So you get the smartest woman on Earth. You get the the smartest man on Earth, and you've got the richest man on Earth, and she's married him. And they are developing a second planet Earth uh, in an effort to 
move everybody over there and save everybody because our universe is going to collapse. Earth 2 almost. Sorry? Or yeah, kind of an Earth 2. Earth 2. Without Clancy Brown and uh, way better than Sequest. Um, (laughs) And uh, they... uh, this whole concept comes to a bad end when she realizes that only the ultra wealthy and the people that uh, Ted Castle thinks are worthy of living there are going to be allowed to move over. And uh, the the one superhero they've developed into it is uh, a character called Cap, which is a gigantic mech robot that has a Iron Patriot theme going on and they can't defeat it. But there is, uh, and so there's this hilarious moment where Reed Richards is like, well, I have a plan for defeating this, but the U.S. government did not want me to uh, spend the money on it. So if they want me to develop my anti-galactus armor, I'll do it right now. And they're like, okay, here, you've got the $6 billion or the $12 billion or the $34 billion you need. And he develops his anti-galactus armor and goes over and fights Cap and can't do it. Well, the thing is that Alyssa Moy has been in absolute love with Reed Richards as long as she's known him. And it breaks her heart that he's married, but not only married, but married to Sue Storm, who does not share the same level of quest for knowledge that uh, she and Reed Richards both have. And it, it so my favorite panel, my one favorite panel in all of comics is this moment where she's weeping and she's talking to Reed and she says, Reed, how can you spend your life with someone whose eyes glaze glaze over every time you talk about your passions? Like it is the most uh, pulp comics. Like who, who is the artist who had those pulp like comic art uh, romance pieces that came out in the 50s, 60s. I don't even freaking know. I'm so sorry. But, like, I have I have thought about printing this thing off a dozen times and framing it and just sticking it up in my place. It is a mantra. It's a way of life. And, um, I mean, it is the it is the quintessential moment of realization for me after my most recent breakup like how can you spend your life with someone whose eyes glaze over when you talk about your passions because it freaking literally happened and i was like man you can't ever let that happen again so i think about Alyssa moy every time i think about getting involved with somebody and uh you know that's why I think I can be involved with somebody right now because at least somebody will listen to what I have to say, whether or not they really, really, really care. And maybe that's the closest we can all ever get. But if you find someone who loves exactly what you do and exactly what you are, then maybe you're there. Tony, help us out on this one, man. You're the only one that's married, man, because uh, I always joke that I've dodged that bullet like the Matrix, but uh, I mean, like... (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are you are a very happily married man, and mm-hmm. I love the fact that it, it comes off like you're you're never like oh dude I gotta 
uh, I can't because my old lady's mad. No, no, never that, man. Like, she's already, she's, like, I, I know for certainty. She's like, yeah, record the podcast. Go kick some ass. Go do what you got to do. Go be a fucking pro wrestler like you are, like a badass. And uh, help us out here. What the hell are we missing? <laughs> I don't think so much, you know, like the loving it is one thing. But I think the understanding of it is as much, if not more important. Is that they have to? They have to understand why you do what you do. Like if they if they get a firm grasp of it, like my my wife's not a wrestler, but any stretch of imagination. But her father was a wrestler, um, Tom Jones from WCCW World Class back in the day. So like awesome. she's got a deep understanding of it. Like she understands that. I mean, it's not always you know the best thing for a marriage. Obviously, like being gone every weekend and whatnot. You know, I've got a you know, as a father and a husband, I've got to temper that and, you know, hey, I'll go out on occasion, I'll do this, I'll do that, but I won't, you know, I'll be home as much as I can. And, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta know how to balance it. And it's, it comes down to a mutual respect more than anything else is knowing, knowing what you can and can't get away with a lot of the time. And it's not, that sounds worse than it is, but it's really, I don't, I think it's not an issue for us. No, that that sounds great, man. Especially because like that's usually like a point of contention for me is what can I get away with, and once I know I can get away with anything, I lose all respect. I don't want to do anything with them. And uh, yeah, no, that happens. You got there's got to be there's got to be limits. There's got to be boundaries. You know, you gotta you got there's got to be a little bit of push and give sometimes. I mean, but like I think like I said, I think understanding the situation is the most important part. They're they're there are people like there are people that are screwed up from you know childhood tragedies like you know some of the heroes we talked about today, but if you can understand you know why they are the way they are, it's so much easier to be like you know to work around it. Agreed, man. I appreciate that because I'm like thirty yeah, years I, I old. I just don't think that there's a a place where if you're with if you're with someone who you really really should be, I don't feel like you need to try to get away with anything because they're going to be like, no, yeah, let's do that. That sounds awesome. But yeah. I I can't you, you I, I I'm never going to find a duplicate of myself out there. I don't want to marry myself. Oh yeah, I, no, I'm I, just saying like. You're not going to find somebody who wants to do all the same stuff at all the same time. And just, you know, oh, I want to make potatoes tonight. Oh, I don't want potatoes. I want corned beef hash, you know. What's got Mm -hmm. potatoes in it? Okay. It's compromises. It's figuring it out. But at the same time, it's just like, who do you want to spend your time with? And how much of your time can you spend with that person? And, like, they're going to have other things that they're into. It's got to be okay. That's got to be okay. But at the same time, like, getting past... There are major, major differences that you have to either accept, like, this is never going to work out, or you're going to find something where, like, this is going to work out enough that this is going to be okay. This oh, is- yeah. Now, my uh, my buddy Wade used to call talk about, uh, comp- or, uh, I don't remember the exact wording, it was compatible crazy. You got to find somebody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to find somebody that works within your level of crazy, because everybody's a little nuts. But to a certain degree, every, you know, you got to figure out what you, what you're, you know, like you said, it's what you're willing to, what you're willing to put up with, and what you're willing that that what is it, what isn't is not a deal breaker, as it were. Yeah. Um, my little brother actually has a 
has a girlfriend and they are basically the male and female equivalent of each other. Ooh, that's not good. And all it does is insanely lazy. Ooh. Like, oh. I, I love my brother. His girlfriend's cool. But, they're, like... They're encouraging all, each all other's foibles. Exactly. And it's not... Like, my brother needs a good kick in the ass. Like, it just <laughs> is... Like, I love my brother, but, you know, it is what it is. You can't both he, be yins. You gotta have a yin and a yang, man. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, let's wrap this up. I got yeah. my last one. I was gonna land on... Another something man. And I am going to land on another something man. I'm landing on Dead Man. Oh, I love yeah. me some Dead Man. Landing on Dead Man. My uh, sister and my mom went to a yard sale and found the original Dead Dead Man's. Uh, and, like, we we don't know if you like this guy. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you found these. They were the, you know, the remember the all-black cover ones? And and dude, it it just really explored his powers, and I I I loved him already. But then that was they got that for me right before Blackest Night started. And, oh okay. And then Blackest, and of course, if you guys have read Blackest Night, Dead Man is essential. He's like the linchpin in all of that. Um, it, he's he's not the the guy that saves everything, but he's. When I say linchpin, none of it would have been able to gotten pulled off without Dead Man working behind the scenes, holding things together. Um, Tony, how did you find Dead Man? Um, actually, it was the uh, the Justice League Dark cartoon, the DVD movie. Oh, he was awesome in that. It, it was played by uh, was it Nicholas Turturro, if I remember correctly. That is, and like I just I just love the character in that one movie. Anthony Turturro? I'm Nicholas looking it up. I'm looking it up. Keep talking. Yeah. Sorry. It's, Go ahead. But yeah, no, I was a big fan of like I said, I like the I love the whole dark Justice League Dark. Like it made me I went out and collected all the Justice League Dark new fifty twos after that. And uh, there was a there was one freaking he was in like a three part mini series that was pretty decent that right. I really got into. Yeah, I wanna say life and death, maybe love and death. With the all black covers, those are the ones. Oh, is it? Uh, yes, I'm almost positive. Okay. Yeah, it's been a while since I read those. I was freaking, I don't really recall the car, uh, cover off the top of my head, but I remember they were pretty solid. It was uh, a couple that moved into a new house, and freaking that house was haunted, and they needed dead man to... Nope, nope, I'm thinking about uh, the Clear the spirit or something along those lines. I'm thinking about something else. But you were yeah, right. Yeah, I want to say it was... I like that. Man, I don't know enough about Dead Man to know what's what, but if you're going to hire a superhero to come in and clear a house of dead spirits, I mean, that seems like a totally specific vein of storytelling that you can get a lot out of for years and years. Yeah, but he was right. It's Nick Totoro and, and listeners. Nick Totoro. M- okay. MFers. Uh, if you don't know who Nick Tatura was, if you saw The Longest Yard, he's the little he's the little, the little guy, guy, the little Italian guy that will not admit to being gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, dude, That's what, a class. I love that movie. Oh, dude, I love it, man, dude. The only thing I don't like about that movie is hearing Stone Cold say the N word like he's said it a lot of times beforehand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, you, you get it because of the context of the story. Agreed. 
like other than that like you gotta be it, it, you know it could definitely i can definitely see where people would get offended it, it, it came off a little too natural <laughs> let me tell you this yeah. though and i know you're i know what you're saying but as a guy who works in the film industry if it doesn't come off natural, you're not doing the job right. Oh, and I, I started watching mm-hmm. some nonsense movie the other. Oh, oh, I hate to say this. I start. I just realized how many movies there are for free on YouTube. And uh, Fantastic Four, Robocop for free. Yeah. Even edited, edited words out, edited particular violence. What ro- what world are we living in that RoboCop is free? A good ass world. <laughs> and simultaneously, uh, yes, share RoboCop with the masses. But the Delta Force, and I'm going. Oh, some of the acting in this is for shit. And I was like. <laughs> Yeah, they're unnatural. They're like they're not playing this very well. I'm not saying how much time. I'm just saying how much time do you have? How much rehearsal? How much direction? How much are you a martial artist instead of an actual actor? But like, yeah, okay, you got a guy that can't can't. It's like getting it too natural. I'm not. They're ac- being fed I, I, I'm for not a while ac- to get there. I'm not accusing the rattlesnake of being racist. In fact. Even if the rattlesnake was racist, I'd be okay with it. <laughs> like, I wouldn't give a shit. It's the fucking rattlesnake. Um, but he's not. He's a great guy. But like, he just he he definitely acted a little. It it, it came off very natural. But even then, like at, at the same time, though, if you want to balance it out, like when you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it, dude. This I, is the sound of me sweating. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. No, yeah, Colin is very very white. And I'm so white, guys. Tony, I don't know if you knew this. Tony and I, I are so white. Tony and I are very, very brown. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of brown. I'm like 47% brown. Your name? Oh, come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> he's not Quintavious Jackson. He's, he's, he's Torres. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's Castellano <laughs> Jesus, I'm trying to roast Morales, and you fuck with me. God damn it, Morales! <laughs> I'm Goodness trying. Gracious. I'm trying to roast Morales here. I had a good one. This guy, my guy is. is dude, my this... name is White Guy McWhite Guyerson. <laughs> it's White my, Bread McGuyerson. My, my my brother did the 23 and Me because I'm not doing it, and uh, I have my reasons. And then my my. Family has genealogically traced ourselves back like an idiotic amount, and we cannot find an, any iota yet, yet anything else in us. And I'm like, <laughs> can we can't we just be something Cherokee? Is there no, no Chickasaw no. in us somewhere? Can't we One, be one like 128 something? Can we be anything? Because my mother, up until her Alzheimer's, it ha- was probably the premier white Native American Indian historian on the continent. Right, uh, right, right. Now your, your mom is awesome. Nothing that ties us to these fabulous people we've been investigating our whole lives. Tony, Tony, Colin has yet huh. to question why his brother's 23andMe came with a pamphlet why Grandpa <laughs> lives in Argentina. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> We don't have anything to do with those blonde people. We're not. We're not uh, North. No, 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 no. We are Welsh. We are Welsh. 
<laughs> flat, deadpan English people. What totally is English. Mein totally Welsh. Not the same thing. I know it. Welsh English. Same thing. It's Welsh English, not not Germanian. We're just fucking with you, man. Yeah, I know you are. Dude, you gotta come hang out with a. You gotta come hang out with Colin. Boys. If it actually makes you feel any better, I actually have a dual citizenship in Germany. I was actually born in Germany, so. It's okay. To Dude, people who were not German. Dude, I mean, just because yeah, you were no, my, German, my dad was military. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was born in uh, Lindstall. Oh, nice. Lindstall. I didn't learn that until I was 30. I always thought I was born in Zweibrücken. In where? That was the uh, I always thought I was born in Zweibrücken. Oh, yeah, but next I, to that Dwayne oh. Reed. Yeah, I know what you're talking uh-huh. about. I'm See, just kidding. Tony, Tony, the thing is, is that Colin has yet to been able to come and hang out with the boys and realize that it's just nonstop. <laughs> it's, it's just non-stop, man. Like, it's like if, like, what, what's funny is, like, you, you hang out with the boys... And it's it's not a big deal. Like you know, it's cool. Uh, no receipts necessary, but uh, <laughs> but encouraged. <laughs> but definitely <laughs> encouraged. But if 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 you recorded anything going on in any wrestling camp ever, mm, you're getting canceled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, no, that's the world we need to be living in. This world where we're all petrified of making fun of each other and ourselves because we're just, you know, not all identical. The whole world is made up of people who aren't identical. I think we need to acknowledge it and be okay with it and have yeah. fun with it, which is not happening anymore because uh, we decided, we made a decision collectively. Shit. to me all right cool i'm gonna do sound sync clap i'm back so that we see it on the thing are you were you, are you on your yeah, headphones yeah we're still yeah, recording man i was i was like changing into like something more comfy and i ripped out the dongle of ethernet to usb like it's done i gotta get a new one <laughs> great oh shit now, now he's wearing his new we're, pink thong take a break we're taking a break as of uh whatever the time crunch was a second ago cool. pee and come back yeah i'm not uh, I, I i'm did. gonna do a sound sync clap so we see it on the on the uh yeah scrolling whatever do it. three two one break all right i'll see you guys in like five cool sweet like a union meeting get up and everybody go get up and pee
I am back. Anyone there? Testing. 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 One, two, three. Sweet. I am feeling nice and loose. <laughs> nice. I haven't had enough drinks for me to get me quite there, but. Dude, you're, you're, we're talking about like mutual appreciation earlier before we start recording. Oh, we're still recording, but like I'm not going to have it. I'm going to edit it out. Uh, cool. I'm dating a vegan. <laughs> oh, that's fine. You're dating a vegan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I got a black cherry Waterloo. Because I'm white. And you got some Seth Rollins going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. If, 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 Tony, if you're wondering, yeah, most of our passwords are burn it down something. Nice. <laughs> burn it down. And my, my kids, if freaking sense, like I said, you got into the wrestling figures. All he'll do is he'll freaking get on YouTube and put on their music and then do entrances for like 45 minutes. Oh, that's dude, awesome. That's a great afternoon. That, that's an amazing <laughs> afternoon, dude. Why didn't you I seem me to recall a wonderful day in New Orleans where that's what we did for dude, a few hours. Dude, we, nice. met, we met this German dude and his chick who, like, he was training under Walter in WXW, which... Oh, wow. WXW's, uh, like, dude, so, like... We lost our we lost our check-in card because we got kicked out of we got kicked out of fucking Supercar to Honor. It, me and my girlfriend, not Colin, we left we we we, we didn't bought, we left him there. <laughs> like, but not. It's all not, fun and games. You realize Colin was your girlfriend. Oh, dude! Yeah, it's all everything. fun and games until Colin's your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's serious. Well, uh, she was outside on a, on a park bench while I went to go get us a new check-in card and key or whatever the fuck it was. I was drunk. And uh, mm -hmm. I come back to get her, and she's passed out, and there's these, like, German people trying to wake her up, see if she's okay. And dude works for WXW. Because she was blonde. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she, uh, well, his his name is uh, Sven, and we're still friends, man. And uh, nice. he, the NXT for WXW is called Ring Kampf. And, yeah, Ring Kampf. Yeah, and uh, Walter was training Sven. And uh, nice. we became immediate friends. We got blackout drunk that night. We 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 beat the dog shit out of each other on the concrete on the patio in in fuck in the in the fucking hostel. And uh, mm -hmm. we uh, yeah. they had some random Japanese guy with them who spoke no English but German and and uh, and uh, Luton German's cool. And uh, we. Uh, Sven threw on like we decided that we were gonna reenact all our favorite entrances, and for like two hours, uh, we were just taking shots yeah. and smoking and and doing our intros. Man, it was so much goddamn fun. Like nice. So was this freaking uh WrestleMania that was in Louisiana? Yeah, in New Orleans. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I didn't go to that one. We went to me. And my wife went to uh, thirty-two and thirty-three. So you went to we Dallas. Went to you went to Dallas. What was it? You went to Dallas, Dallas, and, Florida. And, and Dallas, Florida. Florida. Yep. Nice. 
Yeah, I was there for Zack Ryder winning the icy belt and freaking. That was it. I was so fucking pissed, man. Fucking Zack Ryder. i taking it from my boy Kevin Owens. That was great. That was awesome. Then he lost it the next night. <laughs> the very fucking next night, man. The very next night. <laughs> All right, let's do this. All right, man. I'm going to take point at first. Uh, Go for it. I'm throwing mm-hmm. a monkey wrench at you guys in this one because I forgot there was. I'm not going to do TMNT. All right, so give us another clap, man. Okay, we are going to start recording. Okay, it's uh, 1147. It's a. <laughs> it's 11.47 p.m. Minefields Supplemental uh, at an hour and 23, and uh, it'll be an hour and 24 and 3, 2, 1. Sorry about that, guys. I went to go uh, put my comfies on, and I knocked out my landline. we got to start re-recording. Of course, I've got Mr. Colin. we got Mr. Tony Morales there, and we're doing the comics here. So let me give you the quick list here. Pull up these notes. Suicide Squad number 11. Detective Comics number 1031. Exoswords Hellions number 6. Ice Cream Man number 21. Uh, here's my Monkey Ranch Fantastic Four number 26. Marvel Snapshots Avengers number 1. Symbiote Spider-Man number 1. And Star Trek Year 5 recap from everything we've missed since Colin's been gone. My mon- uh, Let me, let me uh, say, also, I want to throw in on this uh, one shot about the Mirror Universe of uh, Star Trek Year 5 as well. Was it like the Mirror Universe in the Rugrats? In Rugrats? Um, it's probably like the Mirror Universe from Star Trek that Rugrats was ripping off. Rugrats? Mirror Universe? How can they have beards? They're babies. <laughs> hey, it happened, man. That's wacky. Alright, so... It... Was that Carry it? On. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. All right, that so, was my rant. So my monkey ranch is Fantastic Four number 26. So in the last issue, awesome. uh, the Coromont went nuts on the Baxter building, destroyed it. And what happens? Oh, of course he destroys the building, but under the building is something Reed Richards forgot he put there years ago, buried, never to be seen before because it was an ultimate weapon, one of his many ultimate weapons, because we know that's the thing about Fantastic Four. Um, but uh, it's basically... An entity, uh, a force that they create. Uh, it's it's a it's a gateway. And I'm looking. It's the they call it a dimensional portal at first, but they start calling it the Forever Gate. It is a portal to wherever and ever you want to go. And the the portal cool. is is uncontained. They, they don't know what to do with it, but of course Valeria, on her iPad, figures out how to control it. Immediately goes to meet her boyfriend, who she was betrothed, bet, bet, what, betrothed to? What's betrothed. Yep, that's the betrothed. word. Betrothed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on one of those uh, alien planets that Franklin had created uh, before, um, before everything, well, after Secret War, and she's goes to see her boyfriend, he's like, great, you're here, sit by my side forever. Also, beside all these other eight concubines of mine. <laughs> and, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, so she's Whoa. like, she says, fuck you, goes back home. And uh, Franklin, who is now completely depowered, is like, great, I can go back and figure out a way to, to get my mutant powers back. And he's picking up the iPad, about to start some shit, and I'm going to figure out a way to get my mutant powers back. Because he's now completely depowered. 
He has no powers at all. And uh, Tony, are you familiar with Franklin? I uh, yeah, from back in the day, but I didn't know he had lost his powers. How do you, how do you lose them? It, he, it, they became finite, and then he used them uh, against the battle with the Cormont, and then they were gone. And he's uh. trying to think of a way to get back to a point where he can get them back and restore them. And immediately, Professor X intrudes on his mind and says, "List Franklin, listen. I know that." you want to get your powers back, but the truth is you were never a mutant. And I was what? like I was like Yeah, I was like, whoa. What what the hell is happening mm. here? Like cause he's like the, the the one of the big things was that he was a mutant. I mean he was on Krakoa last month. And yeah. and and welcome there. And he's like you were never a mutant. Your powers were cosmic masked it that you were a mutant and you are no longer welcome on Krakoa and I'm sorry, bye, never happening again. What? And we mm. have we have a interdimensional inter time portal uh, like the portal does goes wherever you want in time space doesn't matter. Multiverse, if you can figure out where you want to go and Valeria has it on her fucking iPad, uh you can get there. <laughs> you you can get there. So it you, you're reading the, the Fantastic Four in the 60s, and they have the ultimate nullifier, you know? Like, it's, it, it can destroy anything. Like, your imagination in the 60s is only so finite uh, from your current influences. The way I would uh, imagine that if the guy that wrote uh, Revelations and, you know, the New Testament had a better imagination, it wouldn't have just been, you know, fire and demons... In eternal pain. Um, now we have this monkey monkey wrench that it can go anywhere at any time. And you know the DeLorean can go at different places. It can't go inter interdimensional. And yeah, that the, was what Ecto One was supposed to be doing. Really? Yeah, like that was the whole thing that uh, Dan Aykroyd was like, "Oh yeah, this car should be able to travel through different dimensions." Original like, scripts. Uh, that's way too heady. We need to focus up. Yeah, make it make it a plausible movie we can film. Well, so they, they are able to reunite with the characters that were left behind before they were able to get back to Earth uh, after Secret Wars. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's all well and good. Everyone's happy, and Johnny's got some girl problems because his new betrothed <laughs> is uh, finding, finding out he's had other girlfriends. And they didn't realize that the portal was still open. <laughs> so every guy ever. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the portal's still open, and all of a sudden it widens beyond the, beyond the the grasp and the the little containment field they had it for, and all these alien entities are coming out, like we're getting refugees. And mm. it, the the reason I liked this particular episode was because we now have another reason for everyone else in the Marvel universe to hate the Fantastic Four uh, <laughs> for for them meddling with something uh, beyond what Beast would do. And now we have refugees, and I, I, I am not a fan of uh, political anything intruding on anything, but I, I really like this idea because it's not just... We're, we're, if, if you want to talk about it politically, like, well, we, we need to talk about it and address because you know we have all these people at the border that are separated from their family... But those are just Mexicans. Um, we're, and that's not me being shitty, that's just me being blunt. Um, this it's is, just... we're talking, we're talking interdimensional, inter, I don't even know the word for it, 
time whatever people seeking refuge on Earth. It, it almost sounds like Men in Black originally. Like that's what kind of comes across to me in the, my head. I dig it, man. That was a that was one of my favorite parts about Men in Black. But so is is it that there isn't some already existing shield agency that's supposed to make Earth some kind of point of uh, some kind of point of entry or whatever? You're, that... you're talking about Sword. Uh, that was only recently reactivated uh, in space by uh, Jean Grey, Cyclops, and Kid Cable, um, and there was a portal there, but not like this. And the the woman that they managed to miraculously defeat before they were able to get back to Earth uh, two, three, two years ago uh, when um, Dan Slott took over, right before Dan Slott took over. Um, <clears throat> no, this is this is a lot greater. And the, the, the woman that they, they thought they defeated is now on Earth. And we have a major problem. And I mm. love it. The artwork was great. Everything flowed well. Um, a lot of people don't understand that a lot of Fantastic Four stories are supposed to be one and done, and or three and done, or four and done, not twelve and done. And I'm happy for it, man. The 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 thing that really hit me hard was that Franklin isn't immune. That 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 like personally offended me. Why <laughs> though? I mean, how how I I don't see how that can be. A, a big switch up like that explained in such an appropriate way is kind of awesome but it it is antithematic for the entire series when you've got a character who is the spawn of other characters who were all imbued with cosmic powers no i agree they were hit by cosmic rays i agree they're constantly coming up against the power cosmic i mean franklin it offended me as a fake member of the Fantastic Four, where I'm always pretending that I'm just there, not able to interact. Uh, it didn't offend me as a writer, though. Like, I thought it was I thought it was a great story change, because it wasn't done arbitrarily like, we need to stir things up, Punisher needs a puppy. Um, none of that. <laughs> it, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Who's writing this? This is... Uh, that's a good point. Because Tony always get. Tony and I always get really rad. It's Dan Slott, of course. And, that, and then what are we complaining about? Oh, God, that's what always happens when anyone ever talks about anything Dan Slott does. You're right. <laughs> no, legitimately, has Dan Slott led us astray yet? Has Chip Zdarsky led us astray yet? Let, you know what? Yes, that thing we brought up earlier with Arcade and all the animal-themed villains and Craven in Spider-Man went on for 12 issues too long. Like, well, it wasn't, wasn't that a 24-issue was... escapade? Yeah, but it wasn't Dan Slott. You're right. Dan Slott has never let us down. And th- that's all I got. I just wanted to introduce the monkey wrench of this new ultimate whatever. I don't think that's a problem. I don't think that's a problem. You are totally within your rights to think that that is a, to, uh, something of concern. But at the same time, I'm like... No, you know, Franklin Richards is a character who we should be a little bit smarter about. If if we have a kick-ass book like last year's Marvel Universe, what was it, uh, History of the Marvel Universe, oh, and it's yeah. Franklin Richards and Galactus like trying to figure out what the frack was going on in time and space, I'm like, okay, well, then... 
why why wouldn't Franklin be his own entirely other thing? And you and I, you and me specifically, I'm sorry, Tony, but like you and me personally have designs on yeah. things that are bigger than just what has been presented. Tony, him and I have been writing far. a comic book for the past like five years that is like uh, I, I'm not gonna. Uh, we'll talk about it, it off, it, off camera. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it off camera. Thing. But uh, it's, it's questionable, and it's like, what's what can you do? What 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 changes the status quo so dramatically that you're not even using the same money at the end of it? You know, like how do you how do you how do you do something that people can wrap their heads around and it's not the new universe? I agree. You know what I mean? Tony. So. Tony, wrap us up on this one, man. Let's uh, let's move on to what you got first. Alrighty, I actually got the uh, I got Suicide Squad eleven, which apparently was the final issue. So there's quite a bit going on with this. Um, basically, originally the uh, there's a new group of villains called the Revolutionaries, which is head by Otita, and they get taken over in the first issue by the, they end up being forced to join the squad. All as one big unit, and all the only original squad members are Harley, uh, Deadshot, and King Shark. All gone. So the whole thing is you know, th- 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 it's it's those three plus the rest of these revolutionaries. Huh. So the whole thing ends up being that, um, and right after that, um, Amanda Waller actually gets kicked out and replaced by Ted Cord. So Ted Cord is actually running the Suicide Squad, or so we think. So right around issue nine, it's revealed that Ted Cord is actually Black Mask in a mask. Black and mask he actually ends up shooting Deadshot. Yeah, Black Mask from Batman is basically is in charge of the Suicide Squad. <laughs> and then they end up, the, they're, they're like, what a fucking fact he's, Jesus yeah. <laughs> yep. And then on top of that, immediately after finding that out, uh, Black Mask ends up killing Deadshot. So they just they just off Floyd like nobody's business. Like he just shoots him right in the face. What was the artwork like on that? So man? that was pretty. It was pretty solid. I think he, if I remember correctly, he got he got shot and he ended up falling out of a was it gory seventy you know, story building. Was it gory? Was it, um, or was it like? It definitely was. It definitely wasn't like anything you see out of like Punisher or anything like that. But you know, decent amount of blood, freaking nothing, nothing too crazy, really. I'd Not say. Not like Saw or something. Decent like that. amount of blood. <laughs> yeah, dude, Tony, that nothing, needs, that needs to be on your next fucking T-shirt. You need a decent amount of blood. Decent amount of blood. Decent That's amount, true. amount of color. I've actually got, I've got some I got some more Can stuff in the works, so shit man, I'm, I'm already designing you. But yeah, that basically catches us up to issue eleven. Which um one of the members of the revolution, the Aerie, turns out his mother or her mother is um the president or the leader of the nation of I have to pronounce it here, it's Benizia, if I remember correctly. Benizia? And yeah, Benizia. And the whole thing is that they've sent a girl known as only as Lola. Um, she's basically a living bomb, and they want to blow up this nation 
so that way they could have access to the oil that's underneath it. I was gonna make a fucking like 2004 like Iraqi joke, but they went ahead and did it for me. Pretty much, yeah. It's exactly how you think it's gonna be. And then turns out that another member of the team, uh, Jog, who's a Jog's a speedster, but he can only go for limited amounts of uh, limited amounts of time. So we've got a speedster here who's actually got a little bit of a belly, which I find hilarious. Does he does, <laughs> does he actually have like? Can he tap into the speed force, but only like for so long? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. But he's got a bell around his neck. Yeah, no, no, he's got a belly. Oh, he's got a little bit of a. He, he's got a paunch. He's a fat guy. <laughs> he can run he's a, fast. He's a That's fat awesome. speedster. That's awesome. Yeah, which is amazing. So he actually ended up dying the previous issue, and like the issue opens up with him waking up in the morgue, and it turns out that his father is the Black Racer. So, you know, the uh, the speedster uh, god of death, basically, is this guy's father. I'm not familiar with that at all. That's awesome, man. Yeah, freaking, so, like, yeah, Black Racer's a guy, like, if a speedster's gonna die, he chases after the speedster. If he touches you, you're, you're done. Ugh. Yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting. But yeah, it turns out he is Jog's father. Well, how did they... Oops, sorry, brother. Keep going. I I got excited. What were you going to say? No, no, no. You keep going, man. Okay. Yeah, the whole thing is he ends up, you know, they have a father-son moment, and then he ends up leaving and going to Benazia. I'm going to try to get that right. Where they're trying to (laughs) paint Lola and make sure she doesn't explode, destroying the entire nation. And then Jog... Jog actually is able to get her to the ocean where she blows up on her own. But it turns out it's not a one-hit kill because Lola's still alive post-explosion. And the whole thing, the squad is trying to figure out what to do with Black Mask after they they save this country. Only to find out that, and in comes the Justice League, which actually has Green Arrow in it, which is awesome because I'm very pro-Green Arrow. Yeah, Green Arrow is and badass. badass. Yeah, doesn't get his deal. Wish they'd bring back his comic. Shoot, wasn't sold until brightest day. <laughs> True, but no, he end up. It's like him, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and they're just like, you know, don't, you know, don't kill Black Mask, don't kill Black Mask. So Harley ends up shooting him in his left knee. <laughs> All right. So it's funny. And then they're like, you know, what, what the hell? You know, Green Arrow's getting in her face. Like, what the hell are you doing? And then Osita turns around and shoots him in his right knee. <laughs> like, we, you, you might as well just cut his dick off. He's done. <laughs> yeah, he's, get, he's getting there. <laughs> just little by little, breaking him down piece by piece. And they're just like, you know, we need to talk to this guy. And Osita just looks at Green Arrow right in the eye and just like, he doesn't need, doesn't need his legs to talk. Not at all. How did they... So for for a change, Squad actually ends up winning the day and saving this this island nation. Well, my main concern here is how did they how did they justify this being a final issue? Are they building it into a new Suicide Squad? I have no idea. It doesn't look like they're going to. It seems like at the end of it, the revolutionaries just walk off by themselves, and Harley actually dips out to go talk to a to a Deadshot's daughter. 
who's you know she became live shot her whole thing is that she's she's apparently going to be she's training to be as good a shot as her dad but she doesn't want to kill anybody and the whole thing is that she's basically you know harley's just kind of telling her that you know at the end of the day her dad died a hero trying to protect the world and at the end of it they're just talking and they're, they're going like they're sitting out in the front porch and they decide to go inside and she's like come on you know, Harley's just like, let me go tell you some censored stories about your dad. And Zoe, his daughter, just responds, you don't have to leave anything out. And at the end of the day, Harley's just like, trust me, kid, I really, really do. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little way to end it at the end of the day for, you know, the squad members. Do you think that they're ending it because Suicide Squad has been so unsuccessful and Harley has been so unsuccessful in regards to uh, what's been going on in the like the the movies, like his Birds of Prey was shit. I actually didn't mind it too much. I thought it was pretty decent for what it was. It definitely should have been. It, should, it was a Harley Quinn movie featuring the Birds of Prey. It wasn't a Birds of Prey movie. Man, it, it, it but reminds, I don't think it was too bad. It reminds me of just like what we were talking about earlier about. Um, Teen Titans, but without the transition into something that is, you know, another series, even though it might be another one, just like I said, I hope they have a legacy number, but probably not. But yeah, uh, I don't see how they would ever, like, finish these. These titles have too much, like, customer recognition. Is that the right word? Or product recognition? There's, there's no way that these are the end of anything. Yeah. Well, but, well, I mean, just since the New 52, this is like the third iteration of the Suicide Squad. It is one of them. It even been the fourth. Mm. So, I mean, they, they, I'm thinking, the thing with the Suicide Squad is you can always bring it back. You just got to figure out who you want on the roster. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I really wish they'd have done is uh, the equivalent of Marvel's Thunderbolts was the Secret Six. Uh, did you ever get into that? I did not. I wasn't reading at the time. Oh, dude, the, the Wait, villains. Yeah, I think, I think it had Waller in it, didn't it, though? Uh, I don't think it had Waller. It's been a while since I read it. Um, but it was basically the bad guys accidentally doing good shit. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> they, because the, the people they were up against were the type of people that were doing such heinous shit that even they had a problem with it. Even Bane had a problem with it. And mm, okay. I, I, I'd want something a little bit more juicy, but like... I love the fact that you get so into these sort of things because it challenges me. To, every time you tell me you need to watch something, I'm like, God damn it! I hated it, and now I'm gonna <laughs> now I'm gonna like it. Like I was so like, and and that's one of the best parts about having you on the show, man. Is that we've got that extra gravitas of someone to like level us out because like Colin and I, you know, we 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 have him and I. We've been best friends since fucking like 2007, eight. I don't know, fuck shit. I met him and I was like, you're mine. And, uh, I wouldn't even live in here then. And uh, we we've we've been vibrating the same uh, frequency for a while, and we need that there extra. We need that extra fucking like. No, y'all need to shut the fuck up. And I appreciate you putting us in our place, man. Uh, I was gonna use that kind of language, a salty language. Sorry, man. <laughs> Sorry, man. It, like you, you gotta let me know if your parents are listening to the show, because like my dad every now and then listens to the show. I'm like, what are you pushing us? I'm not gonna lie. I don't even know if my parents know we're doing this. Shoot, <laughs> <laughs> which is really sad because they're on my Facebook and they literally live down the street. Ah, oh, man. Like the you live next door. To they're gonna. Parents. No, I don't live next door. It's like down this. It's like two two roads away. It's like a good three minutes. 
I'll do, I'll do my best to stay as sober as possible to try to have a drink with you tomorrow or something like that. I don't fuck. Goddamn. I mean, frick. God dang it. <laughs> fetch. Smag it. I'm trying to make fetch a thing. Stop. Yeah, now, you always try to make fetch a thing with your shit, man, so give us some symbiote Spider-Man. <laughs> Dude, frack. The word is frack, okay? <laughs> frack. It's not 2099 yet. 2099. That's shock. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, so where's frack from? <laughs> frack is Battlestar Galactica. Okay, That's yeah. right. I can never remember. Shock yeah, is 2099. Yeah. Sorry. God dang it. Okay, so. Oh, Symbiote Spider-Man. Uh, welcome back, Peter David. Night. Always glad to see Peter David. Uh, Greg Land being consistently inconsistent as ever because he's a tracer. Um, and by that, I'm not saying that he is a, a an inker. He is in fact something. You just watched distance. Chasing Amy. No, <laughs> that I, is a classic. That is a I, classic. I don't like that movie. Yeah, I. The, the, it's this, classic. It, 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 it is, is a classic, classic but, but the thing was. I, I put that on thinking uh, I was going to have a, something funny to watch after my girlfriend cheated on me with a, with a chick, and that was oh, the wrong... She picked the wrong movie. <laughs> the wrong movie. <laughs> the, I'm not even making that up, man. Like, that was the wrong goddamn movie. Anyway, Peter okay. David. <laughs> Another fat Peter guy. David, Peter <laughs> David, who we, we were super friendly to in a line. Tony, when he had Tony, he nobody didn't, even, he didn't have a line. Like, there was people, there were F-lister artists had lines. Peter David Aww. had nobody, and we just walked up to him. Like, we accidentally just walked up to him. Like, shit, that's Peter David. Oops. Well, I, dude, I, every time I've ever seen him, I've thanked him for the uh, Star Trek novel Imzadi, and also Imzadi too. Wonderful techniques. Uh, the Captain's Daughter, uh, starring uh, Sulu. Phenomenal book. Anyway, uh, Symbiote Spider-Man number one, Peter David... Interesting because all of these symbiote books take place in the first iteration of Peter Parker having the symbiote preceding Venom. And uh, there's always some gigantic thing going on around him that takes forever to filter down into him. There's like, what, two, three, four symbiote books going on concurrently. Um, Watu the Watcher in this issue gets absorbed by Kang the Conqueror. Beautiful. And uh, um, like it doesn't even really divulge what's going on with that until Rocket Raccoon shows up on the uh, splash page, the end of the book. Um, So anybody who can show up and absorb the Watcher into their spaceship automatically, okay, Kang... That's kind of rad, Kang the Conqueror. We're all familiar with the time-traveling superhero who might also be Immortus, might also be Ramatut, might also possibly be related to Doctor Doom. We need to anyway, steal, we need to steal that, Tony. You should steal that for your next character too. No, I'm a character that is multi. Take that off screen. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Yeah, I think. Um, my my glazing inconsistency BS going on with Greg Land is that he clearly traced some child on one of the pages, and then in the next panel, the kid doesn't even look like the same kid. 
You know, I, I he, don't even know. You're right. He Peter always draws. Just, he yeah. always draws the same people. Yeah. So he's about. Oh to get... no! I mean, it's like he's just tracing stuff. No, no, no! I, I get what you're saying, man. Like, like all yeah. his chicks look the same. All his dudes look the same. They always got those perfect pouty lips, and but like he introduced someone new, and like so he's gonna yeah. be sued by National Geographic. Okay, cool. I mean, his his Kang is awesome in this. Like, I the, the it, I'm, I don't know what the I mean. How, what do you call it in comics? It's still illustrations, but it's the special effects of explosions, the like sizzling nature of electricity, the the um, debris. The uh, there's a lot of really beautiful stuff to look at here, but you know, it's it's nobody has such outrageously over the top beautiful hair, unless. We're going to that extent. But um, the whole point is that uh, Smythe, uh, the uh, Smythe Jr., is one of the Spider Slayers. That's what we were bringing up earlier, was that whole business about how Morph in the X-Men cartoon felt like, to me, was this extended character that went on and on. And I was like, is this the primary antagonist now? But, like, the Spider Slayer sequences in the spider-man cartoon in the 90s just went on and on and on and it was like it just like eclipsed so much other stuff and i think it was just because they had like a tie-in to toys coming out of happy meals at mcdonald or something i don't know to me it's it's very weird to ever encounter any of the smiths smith senior or smith junior spider slayers characters but like yeah uh, basically, we have a bunch of symbiotes showing up in Ravencroft. Um, they are insinuating themselves into people's minds somehow so that they can communicate or they're possessing people without actually looking like symbiotes. And this is all just because everything's gearing towards Null, the symbiote god villain type. That we've and been expecting since you're, you're, Silver Surfer Black? No, we've been expecting it since uh, a lot, long time before that. This is Donnie Cates at his best. He's building like a five-year story on this one, man. And, yeah, I'll take and, it. And just like you said earlier about Dan Slott, uh, when I was kind of mm-hmm. bitching about uh, what's going on in Fantastic Four, uh, Donnie Cates has done us no wrong. Tony, man, I've got some uh, Silver Surfer Black issues i got to lend to you, man, if you haven't read them. you got to... For the for the Calm beauty down. of looking at it, let alone the story, the, it's just it's a character study. There are it's dudes, so good. There are dudes that were taking boatloads of acid, writing killer <laughs> Howard the Duck and <laughs> yeah. and fucking How, uh, Adam Warlock and Doctor Strange in the seventies that can't hold a candle to sober ass fucking Donny Cates. <laughs> That's yeah. a challenge, dude. It really, dude. Like the. Anyway, uh, the, what I want to what I want to add to this is the fact that what's going on at Ravencroft right now. Ravencroft is almost completely destroyed after what's going on with Green Goblin and Spidey uh, going against the Sin Eater uh, in recent issues, and uh, the place was practically destroyed. They find out that Norrin was obviously pulling some swerve, and uh, the symbiotes. Well, I'm not. I'm not even going to do what's going on with Spider right now. Uh, but what what's happening is, I love what's going on with Ravencroft. I'm glad they're bringing Ravencroft back up. Um, wait, 
Yeah, Ravencroft. What's the one in? Mm-hmm. What What's the parallel in for Ravencroft? Arkham. It, no, no. There's Arkham and DC, but what? But there's another one for um, for Constantine. Oh, freaking! Oh, I can't recall. What the hell is it called? I'll look uh, it up. Because well, yeah, so it's the asylum he comes out of. Yep. I'm just going to go one step farther with what we're looking at in this. My favorite aspect of this is that when the symbiotes start taking control of all of these characters, uh, Peter Parker is dealing with it. The symbiotes are the symbiote that takes control of Ned Leeds, one of my favorite characters, who goes on to become a hobgoblin later. Um, <clears throat> Peter's like, I got to pull my punches. I can't beat these guys up. And they're like, why are you even fighting us, brother? Because they, they know that the symbiote he's wearing is a symbiote. And uh, Peter doesn't know that yet. And um, this whole business is going down, and the symbiotes start being able to defend themselves from it when he's thinking about what he's going to do. And it makes me think of all of the excellent years of Taekwondo that I'm, I've been in where you your best efforts are... You plan out what you're going to do so far in advance that it's second nature by the time you get into the uh, get into a match, you get into a fight, and like you know, it's just about like f- you've got a foot movement that gets you into a position to be able to deliver a f- like a really good jarring shock kick or uh, find a way to defend against something and then counter punch or something like that. And like Peter is dealing with that; he doesn't realize that he's projectively He's using projective telepathy through the symbiote to the other symbiotes. And they're like, no, we don't. What what are you even doing? And they don't get that he's not a symbiote. They think he's that's the crazy thing about the concept of symbiosis is the blending and melding of two things. Not parasitic. Yeah. Like it's yeah, this is it's it's not a prosthetic. But the symbiotes are taking over the persons that they are encountering. And Peter is more Peter than the symbiote, and so which begs the question: like, why is he able to overwhelm it? Is it because of the o- overpowering nature of his goodness, or is it it's got something to do with a wounded symbiote? Who the heck knows? But ultimately, when he just w- acts acts on the impulse, he connects, he makes the hit happen. And I was like, man, that is so. It is apropos. In the world of like martial arts and fighting, I think uh, it was just an interesting thing to see that Peter David way to go. Well, I mean, it's a really take on it, yeah. especially for a fat guy that doesn't know anything about combat. Uh, the, the well, thing, hey, maybe he knew about combat before he was a fat guy. Well, we never know, man. You know, but even then, <laughs> like the thing about I like about it is that we've got a spider family going on, and Detective Comics has an absolute. Like, cause we're we're focusing on we're focusing on family now in reorganizing the Bat family in Detective Comics right now, are we? Nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. a bit, yeah. Like Big so, time Bat. So yeah. you, you, I, I, I fell asleep on uh, ten thirty one on this last week, man. But I, I, I read the latest Batman one. Just wanted to see what this new asshole was gonna do. But uh, was it Ghost Killer or? Uh, Ghost, yeah, Ghost Killers and Batman right now. Uh, Detective Comics has actually got a new villain, also the Mirror. Help, help me with this, man. This sounds awesome. Uh, well, the Mirror is—he's um, basically trying to rally the people against Batman and all masked vigilantes in Gotham. 
Is is this is this still in line with post uh, Joker Joker War? Yeah, post Joker War. Yeah. Okay, so so how, we got. How's that happening, man? Like, uh, like, or, or all the, uh, the 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 voids that were created from Joker killing so many baddies and goodies that uh, we've got some voids to fill. Like, what's going on? Well, we got um, so we got the mirror, and yeah, it's a lot of that. But the mirror is, like I said, he's just kind of rallying the people against Batman. He's just kind of sitting there talking, and people are listening. You know, at the same time, we've got a um, Chris Nakano, who's running for office in Gotham, and his entire process or his entire um, platform is that he wants to. He's a I've wanted he's a he's a detective, I believe, and he lost his eye in Joker War. So he actually is trying to get rid of Mask as well. So him and Mirror have that in common. And the whole issue starts out where Mirror goes to meet Nakano and basically is like, Hey, you and me are on the same page. And Nakano turns around and is like, you know, you might be saying the right words, but you're another you're you're wearing a mask. Like, just because you say you're going to take it off when this is all said and done does not make us the same person. So this is a, this is extremely similar to when uh, Commissioner Gordon first met Batman. Mm-hmm. Man, that yeah, it's a lot of the same continuity, yeah. That makes me happy, man. Like, what was it that, like, really grasped you about the story, man? Like, because, like, this sort of thing, like, when they appropriate something from back in, like, the 30s or 40s, and they're trying to do something good after, like, Gotham's been destroyed for the past two years after Bane and then Joker. I mean, like, where are you seeing this going? Well, that's the interesting part about it, because, I mean, it's it's always one thing to, like, see a mega super bad guy go after a superhero. You know, if you got Bane, who can freaking jack himself up, and he's a genius... And freaking, he's you know he can take Batman on, you know, but he still has, like you said, he had the planet Nightfall to break him down little by little. You know, this guy, you know, it's almost like um, Captain America: Civil War, where you know, after all the insanity that the Avengers went through, at the end of the day, it was you know Baron Zemo, a normal human, that was able to you know outwit them and kind of tear them down quite a bit. A and Mir doing the same thing. Yeah. Great, dude, Tony, what a great fucking parallel, man. That is fucking great. Yeah, and that's always kind of something that I really enjoy watching is when, you know, a, a quote-unquote normal human is able to, I mean, even though Batman's a normal human as well, you know, he's able to, you know, you take down these monolithic figures. It's almost like when we talked about V for Vendetta a couple weeks ago, you know, very, very similar thought process, how one man could you know, take down an, a country if need be. Do you think he's a bad with guy? Enough, with enough fire to do I definitely, there's definitely villain overtones with it, but we don't really, we don't know enough about him yet to really kind of dictate that. Because we're going to get to a bit of that in the issue. Um, because at the same time, you know, we got this, you know, talking, it's really funny that you brought up family because I was going to bring up the same because um, this brings Damien back into the fold with, with the Bat family. And this is the first real time we've seen him since, um, you know, Alfred passed. Dude, like that, I was talking about last time. Hmm? That's a big deal, man, because, like, the, a lot has happened with Damien, because, like, you can't ever really, like, 
pinpoint where you are in the story while other stories are going along because Damien like is no longer Robin and and they're they're bringing Alfred they're bringing Damien post Alfred and guilt into the story with someone that is definitely a, a, an anti-hero man yeah well like when it comes down to it like <clears throat> where do you hope the story's going to go i mean because if they're pulling these parallels out where do you hope the story's going to go? I mean, do you, do you have any, like, fantasy booking on it? Like, was was there any any anything that you missed that I accidentally interrupted you with? Uh, I apologize. Oh, no, you're good, dude. Freaking, yeah, like I said, it's interesting. Like, I don't really have any fantasy booking yet, but it, it, gets, it gets a little more interesting. Because, like we were talking about last time, Damien took uh, Batman's black casebook, which is all, all, his, all the big mysteries that he never quite solved. Mm. And Damien basically figures out that um, the cop that was there, the, the female cop that was there the night that um, the women were murdered, um, she's got some interesting blood relations herself with her family members. Because it turns out she's actually, her brother is uh, Tommy Elliot. No shit. Dom, Dom, Dom. Who, you know, we all, you know, we know is Hush. <laughs> That's that why you got all hung up on Hush last week, dude. God damn! Like, yep. I actually reread Hush this week just because you little fired in a man's head. I couldn't remember hardly <laughs> any of it. But yeah, no freaking. So Damien's basically, you know, Damien really basically gives her uh, the ultimatum of if she doesn't turn herself in because she basically, I think she hid. If I remember correctly, I think she hid evidence. But she, you know, either you turn yourself in or I will. And this is this is like I said, this is one of the cases that Batman was not able to solve. So he turned, you know, so Damien is basically, you know, Damien's being Damien, and he's like, you know, I found this clue in one night where you know my dad, you know, spent twenty years and didn't see this. Fresh pair of eyes, man. So that. Mm-hmm. But you know, the next thing they're talking about, like the uh, the Bat families watching mirror doing a presentation where he's got just a group of people just following him listening to him talk and they're you know they're gonna unmask everybody but then there turns out you know they're 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 gonna freaking they're walking towards city hall or we're heading to and there's a group of people in bat mask just regular people just like and you know you got so i mean there's two sides of the same coin there you've got the people that wholeheartedly believe that you know all the mask are just causing the issues. All the you know, the good guys, you know, bring the bad guys to Gotham. But then you've got the group of people that are just like you know, Batman's helping. Batman is a beacon of hope, as it were. No, that's you know, perfect. They're calling mirror. Yeah, they're calling out mirror. Mirror just freaking is the first guy to throw the punch. So then all these people start freaking going at it, and the Bat family has to intercede. And then Batman's. Does Mirror have any powers? No, but he's just a guy with a mask. He's you know he's just a guy with a freaking mask that you can you see his reflective mask. You know he's he like him and Batman end up fighting and Batman talks about how you know he's obviously trained, like he obviously knows what he's doing, but he's still just a man. Do you think there's, there's no way that int- he's related to the uh, Tim Blake Nelson character in the Watchmen? That they tried to blend into DC Comics proper recently, right? 
Not not that I know of, but I mean, you, they could definitely throw that in there, but they haven't made any outward inclinations towards it. Does he have any sort of like, um, I don't want to say supernatural, but em- empathic knowledge of people to reflect upon them who they really are? Not, not as far as I see, as far as I've read so far, he's just a dude in a mask. But I mean, we could definitely see something more because then it takes another twist because they're fighting on a bridge and he just uh, mirrors on the edge of the bridge and he's like, you know, I throw myself off right now. I'm a symbol now. This is this, uh, this is what I wanted because I can, you know, now that I, you know, now that I, you could, they've seen what I can do and these are my people. They listen to me, and they don't need me anymore. And he just throws himself off the bridge. So he martyred himself. Yeah, he totally martyrs himself. And Batman's left there on this bridge with uh, this mob of people. Dude, this and is the best. And then he, you know, he's talking to him. This is the best. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I, I get excited. I apologize. This, oh, no, you're good, dude. This is the best fucking Batman idea I've heard in fucking years. This is better than yeah. Court of Owls, man. Like, especially if. They're they're actually bringing in uh, the idea that he might be similar or the same character of the mirror from the Watchmen universe from the uh, HBO series. Um, yeah. Did you did you happen to catch a glimpse of that at all? Not yet. I need I need to. I'm gonna try to maybe catch up on it this weekend. Hopefully. <clears throat> I'll send you my fucking login in so you can watch it. Man. Awesome. The, but yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, I don't know. Cause I, I've I've read the books and freaking that's all I've got so far as far as Watchmen goes. Colin, and give the us movie, a, little, a little bit bewildered right now, just trying to go back and forth and ascertain exactly, you know, thinking about Hush as a character, and I was like, oh yeah, I got I got into Batman with that the Jim Lee Hush, going mm. in and like just looking at it and verifying terminologies because a lot of times we use e- in the middle of the show we'll use eBay as a resource because a lot of ex- extemporaneous information is going to get dropped. Yeah. Anybody's posting, and I'm like, holy crap, I have all those books, and they all seem to be worth anywhere between thirty-six and uh, $6,000 right now. Like, what the hell, you know? <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'll sell off my entire Jim Lee Batman collection, if that's what it's uh, costing. Colin, yeah. Colin sell, uh, sell Tony on who the mirror was in The Watchmen. Was, it was portrayed. The thing that bothers me most is that I never got to see the episode uh, really, really featuring him. But it was oh, Tim Blake shit. Nelson portraying his character, and um, uh, I mean, he just he had this silver mask that reflected back whatever his whatever was going on onto the person he was dealing with, and it was weird because. He was a person who understood the Seventh Cavalry, who were the bad guys of the series because they were racists. Um, and uh, as if everybody in the series wasn't necessarily a bad guy in some way or another, there were no clear cut good guys. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe Lady Knight was pretty much the good guy. She was okay, and even then, you know, John. She's he still was a good the guy line. too. She still crossed the line, but Tony he definitely man, did. Tony, <clears throat> yeah, we're gonna have to do a Watchmen thing, man, because you're gonna shit your pants. I, I, yeah, 
We should Death all rewatch that. Down. That was a fascinating series. Uh, um, I mean, but Tim Blake Nelson, he and I go back to doing a movie in New York several years ago, and uh, he, you know, he comes and visits Tulsa. I, I he hasn't, he doesn't call me up when he comes into town, though I wouldn't mind it. We we had a good time. Um, but uh, you know, like uh, his character was a guy who was grounded in the reality of the part of the world that he lived in. Which I have a beef with a lot of America right now. They don't understand the concept of regionalism or sectionalism or who I am versus who somebody might be in Minnesota or Arizona or the Pacific Northwest or whatever else. And I felt like his character in that show made sense for being a cop in Tulsa in any time period, whether or not it was the world where Vietnam was the 50th state or uh, 51st state or, um, you know, or Tulsa was the focal point of tragedy in the past. You know, he was the guy that really got it. And, um, you know, what? you know what really gets me about what you're talking about right now is when you're when you're expecting a bad guy to be a bad guy, I'm reflected upon a particular last, seemingly last match of uh, Mr. Tony Morales and <laughs> and the promo he delivered after they lost the CSW uh, championship belts, and it was built to a point where you. Like I thought for sure that Tony was gonna was gonna beat his fucking uh, tag team member uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's ass for you know taking the taking the uh, the the loss and it ended up being a absolute reflection of what their relationship was, what their uh, whole dynamic was, and how they fit into the wrestling scene in general, and. It was like I, I I accidentally broke kayfabe. But it, uh, if, if you guys watched the the video, um, I was in tears. And Tony Tony, I'm sorry, I don't know. I, you, I had my glasses on, but like I was crying, man. And I like that the was second, the sound of my eyes widening. <laughs> Tony, man, like the the way you pulled that off, like I was like, this is writing. This is kick ass writing. This is drama. Like you had the whole fucking crowd in the palm of your hand, and I, I don't know how to tell you anything better than that, man. Like, thank you. Oh no, dude, just freaking you know, it was one of those from the heart things, man. It was you know, freaking me and Cumberbatch have been teaming for like three years, so yeah, if, you know, if you know, and like I said, unfortunately at the moment, I don't know if it's. You know, if that's my last match or not. Uh, if I'm going to go out, I want to go out with something real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was real, real. It was mad real, and it, when it was when keeping it real went right. <laughs> <clears throat> awesome. Now, uh, you mentioned earlier, Colin, about the 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 people that are dealing with uh, the collateral damage, and I think that fits perfectly into the Marvel Snapshots Avengers number one. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, so uh, that was a uh, that was a uh, <laughs> that was a marginal segue. Um, <laughs> Did my best, goddammit. it! 
Tony Hale. <laughs> Basically, Marvel Snapshots, Avengers, number one. These are all one-shots, all of these Marvel Snapshots. I almost wish they were just like, hey, whatever, one, two, three, six, however it came down. Uh, we, like, let's, let's do it as simply as possible. You've got a, a young lady in New York who moved there, and she's some kind of nurse, and she is struggling to find her own place to actually live and everything aligns itself against her being able to pull this off and uh sometimes it's a subway problem sometimes it's being late and sometimes it's a misunderstanding and sometimes it's that there's a an uh, a battle with the x-men or the fantastic four or the avengers taking place that may she can't make the appointment or who know, whoever knows well She's in her like workout leotard, so she's wearing various hues of pink and mauve, and she's her hair's all teased out. It's a very good like, hey, it's the '80s looking thing with her, and uh, she's just on her way to look at a new apartment. Everybody's busting her chops, and then the gigantic, gigantic metal humanoid starts crushing stuff all over the place. And uh, she encounters a rookie cop who has, it's like they're both rookies to the New York scene. But they're like, hey, this is what life's like in the big city. Big time battles, craziness. And they have these like really crap nicknames for one another that the writers are trying very, very hard to endear us to as fast as possible. But... The fun thing is this idea that there are shelters built all around New York in the event that some kind of superhero antics take place and the regular civilians need to hide away from gigantic, you know, uh, debris or bricks flying all over the place or chimneys crushing them, as it were. And it's like, so... The crazy thing is that all of these people know that the Avengers are up on the surface trying to protect them from whatever the hell's happening. And they all have a story to tell about an interaction or an experience or incident involving a superhero, whether it be Daredevil or Wonder Man and Beast or is it, does whatever. It, does it go a little bit further than the uh, like the an- anonymous meetings for victims of superhero collateral damage that's been going on in Spider-Man that Mary Jane's a part of? Oh, I don't know anything about that because I have not been doing anything with it. But what I'm getting at is this idea, because this also takes place in the early 80s probably. And, uh, you know, whatever's happening in Spider-Man definitely happens now. But... Um, <clears throat> And not to downplay that, that's an interesting concept. Like, Mary Jane is at the forefront of, what, like an insurance thing? or no, no, I don't she, know what. She, but... she, she was invited to a, uh, a group where they have, like, shields on their faces, like in a scanner darkly, where you... Oh, weird. Where, where there are no names are given except for the name of the superhuman that they were in love with or partner with or in somewhere involved with that, that their superhero antics like ruined or affected their lives. Well, the thing being, I don't see anybody wasting that kind of technology or money or energy on uh, hiding people's identity to that extent, because you just throw a bag over your head and no one's going to know you're the 
fucking you well, know well, Mary it, Jane Watts super good point super model you know no no it, but, but the, the meetings are led by Jarvis I thought Jarvis was deceased uh, no Jarvis is not deceased um, but Jarvis is the one that is the organizer of such meetings that uh, of course he's the best one to do it because he's the fucking Avengers yeah, butler. Totally. But uh, I want to go keep going about this collab. Anyway, yeah. Keep going the about point the- about this is that uh, you know you got this this nurse looking after an injured guy who is hit by collateral damage, and then you've got this rookie cop who is apparently a really good ambassadorial type or diplomat type, and they meet each other during this uh, battle and. He recounts this moment where he met Tony Stark in a bar while he was drinking, and Tony sends Iron Man after him a little while later, and is like, "Hey, look, you keep telling me you you told my boss Tony that you know two minutes difference would occasionally make enough of an impact on the circumstances to save someone's life or." make a different decision and it doesn't result in a bunch of wrecked masonry and glass and steel. And like, so by the end of the story, Tony Stark, Iron Man has given this rookie cop a, like an Avengers ID card. And he's like, dude, if you're, you guys are ever in a bad way, you punch in this number and I'm going to break away from what I'm doing. And I'm going to come here and save the day. And it fucking happens. And it's like, it's oddly enough, it's so set up. When you're reading it, it's like, okay, yeah, this is interesting, this is interesting. And then you get to that point and you're like, you go back and you look at it and you're like, that was such a setup. But like, yeah. no, man, it really felt organic. It felt real. It felt natural. It felt like exactly the kind of thing that Tony Stark would do. A guy who's making massive, idiotic money on defense contracts he has enough money to set up some kind of random bullshit for like little markers. Yeah, you can call on me. Yeah, you can call on me. Yeah, you know, you accidentally bumped into me and we had a conversation one time. You can call on me. You know, I'll buy you a Snickers bar if that's what you need or I'll get your family a pizza or I'll play video games with your kid or whatever it is. You know, like you're a, you're a good guy in like this type of stuff. Do you feel probably that, happens all the time? Do you feel with Tony he did? Stark. Do you feel he did that specifically for his ego? Like when? He, no, no, I really don't. Like it didn't play like that. It didn't feel like that at all. And that's the crazy thing because this is a book about the Avengers, but it is Iron Man and it is Tony Stark who are facing, who are the who are the face man for the team, and uh, because if anybody can make themselves part of the public it's tony stark and it's iron man and that's what's ridiculous how many like does bon jovi does john bon jovi walk around in on the street and like see a homeless guy and is like here's here's forty five hundred dollars man thank you for living in new jersey or whatever you know i got a tax write-off for sixty five hundred dollars for being a beekeeper and uh, I pay somebody year-round to be a beekeeper for me so I can get the tax write-off. Here's my tax write-off. Like, no, you don't hear about that kind of stuff. Does George Clooney 
for all of his smug arrogance, ever pull this shit off? No, he doesn't do it. He shows up and he accepts the award. Like, Iron Man is a character that we've come to see. And even if I was going to talk about Daredevil, that last, the last couple of Daredevil issues where Daredevil's going to buy that whole part of town because, because Daredevil... I'm sorry, we're Iron Man. We're, uh, Iron Man's going to buy a whole section of Hell's Kitchen hmm. and rent the place for normal rates and not collect an interest and, like, not make any money. He's going to sink billions of dollars into this thing. No, it makes sense. Tony Stark would do that. If you're going to get government contracts to help develop weapons or energy resources or whatever it takes to save people... Why wouldn't you do this also in an even less intensive thing? And you could never tell anybody that you did it. And they'd just be like, well, who owns the uh, address? Oh, you know, it turns out it's Tony Stark. You know, they'll eventually figure it out. Maybe after you're dead. Like, there's... Tony Stark doesn't seem to me to be an ego-driven person, except in the MCU. And even then, even then, he's still trying so hard not to be, like, catalyzed by that. I think that but. one of the ways that, because, like, man, Tony came out of nowhere, man. Like, uh, we, we were doing a good story on his story, and mm-hmm. he was like, hold on a second, we're in the podcast, we haven't talked about comics yet, and he brought up Daredevil, and I was like, just come here, <laughs> just come here, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, help, help me out with this, man, because you know what did you read the did you already cheat and read the latest issues of uh daredevil as far as i know i think i did i'm caught i don't know David, i don't know unless one came out this week because that's what we're i feel like one did i haven't read it yet then oh yeah i i, I cheated and uh ah. i cheated in uh holy shit man you guys are gonna shit and the the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the thing about it is if if uh, i want to just bring in wrestling again is that you gotta have like because people have comic relief, you know, like when things get really too heavy, you gotta get mm-hmm. stop yawning, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't even done. We we haven't even done the post recording talk, <laughs> and uh, going in on three hours, Bucko. Yeah, fuck you, man. We're we're walking through minefields, man, and we got our cavassier. I'm I'm sorry, Canadian mist. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I hear these. I, I hear Carry you on. talking about. Tony, I hear you talking about Tony, like you know, taking these these breathers, and mm-hmm. I, and then I, I just got to roast <clears throat> Mr. Tony Morales when he takes a breather. He just knocks out the ref, and then him and Benny, fucking Cumby, fucking go on the side and just go in a huddle, go in a huddle, right in front of the crowd. Just like I had never thought of, I need to use that spot. That's a great idea. <laughs> no, you've been doing that. I saw that, dude. In the, I called that fucking match last week, dude. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That could have been anybody. <laughs> it could have been anybody. <laughs> it could have been an any 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 bald uh, brown man. Yeah. The, exactly. with, with, okay. Okay. Uh, anyway, because uh, I'm. Uh, I was in Luxembourg that weekend. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not getting pulled in the. <laughs> dude, I swear to God, this guy's threatening to put me in the walls of Jericho, and uh, it's it's. Uh, I'm, you know I'll what? Come dude? Up, I'll come up with a new name for it. Shoot. <laughs> oh, the, the Puerto Rican crab, perhaps. Puerto Rican uh, crab. The. I like Denny's. I call moons over my hammy. Oh, dude. <laughs> Dude, 
<laughs> Start naming it after all my stuff after food. Be amazing. You'd be the weird owl of wrestling. <laughs> that could work though. It's all fun and games till it works. You're goddamn right. And it's fun games and money. Yeah, now, there you go. Tony, give us give us some more on Nexus Swords because like I can't I can't touch it because like. It made me cry today. I finished Exorcist. That's your today. jam. Dude, That's I, your I, jam. Dude, I finished it. Like, it all came out today. I, I was working my shoot job. I got all the new comics at lunch. And, uh... Fuck. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I was working through, uh... Hellions number six. So they all come out. They're in Araco. You know, it's all the Hellions. Correct. And they're making their way towards... I believe they're making their way towards the uh, the castle. I believe I could be wrong about that. No, they're just you know, they're they, just they're just going through the motions of the the bullshit fucking games this fucking bitch and fucking other world has put them through. Well, it's bad enough they got that. On top of that, Sinister's playing everybody for a fool. Well, like turns out, you know, you don't see I, I, either it happens off screen or it happens in another series. But Havoc ends up losing his eye to pay a toll. Whoa. And finish your oh, don't worry, I got the next one, brother. And I'm just like, that's it's just Sinister being an ass, which is quite frankly one of the best things in comics is just Sinister just being a dick. I have never never been more enamored with a swerve on a character than what they're doing with Sinister right now. Because he's always been like that robotic sounding guy that's like out to get everything mutant and summers. And he's just this asshole, and I didn't know he had a plan on a plan on a plan. And mm-hmm. dude, it was it was it was it was like Colin. It was multiple swerves on this one man. And Havoc oh, yeah. lost Havoc locked both hands. <laughs> like on a oh yeah, man. You bring you I gotta get there. I gotta get oh. there. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, Tony, wow. Tony, oh yeah, Tony, no, Tony, freaking... Tony, take point, tank poke, take take. Oh, uh, you're good, dude. But yeah, they're just walking along and they end up running into this group called the Locust Vile, which has Tarn the Uncaring, Mother Rapture, Hex Butcher, Sick Bird, Mudgear the Retainer, <laughs> Recanter, and Dude, Amino Fetus. Dude, they're beautiful. Keep Amino talking. Fetus, maybe the next How many of these characters were invented by Grant Morrison? Uh, I'm, no, none of them. I'm gonna while Tony's talking, I'm gonna I'm gonna find the page and show it to you so you can see the splash page on this one. Keep going, brother. Oh yeah. And you know, Sinister's Sinister's just enamored looking at these guys because of they're talking about all the mutagens and whatnot that they he basically made these guys. And Sinister's you know, Sinister's trying to get the uh, genetic material from his have his little drones he has collect them. And next thing you know, freaking they just start going to town on freaking the Hellions, and within like thirty seconds. Uh, both Nanny and Orphan Maker are just obliterated, just brutally murdered. Humpty Dumpty. Freaking, yeah. Havoc's over here trying to, before he can even fight back, boom, both his hands are ripped off. You know, spoiler. Ugh, terrible. Yeah, rips both his hands off. Freaking Grey Crow gets freaking just jacked. And but and Psylocke's trying to fight these guys off her and Wild Child. And Sinister's up here just waiting for his drones to get back the entire time. Little mosquitoes. He just sends the yep. mosquitoes out to just collect some blood. <laughs> Keep dying yep. uh, while these guys take their time. 
And then as soon as it happens, Psylocke's just like, we're getting massacred here. You need to help. And Sinister's like, just take these and go. And freaking, <laughs> she just she sends Wild Child in to give them time. And freaking Psylocke, freaking Grey Crow, and freaking Havoc just take off. And freaking, you know, as freaking, unfortunately, Wild Child just get, gets killed. Yeah, and, and, and then Sinister trying to make a run for it, and uh, he just gets freaking split into pieces. But apparently, he's you no, know, he comes back. Of course, he does. He's plan. Oh yeah, plan A through letters that aren't even in the alphabet, and we get to a point where fucking he's at the uh, Silent Council, and fuck, man, like the, mm-hmm. the balls. <laughs> The balls, oh, yeah. the balls this man has. Yeah, I did that shit. <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> yep. your, Fuck your couch. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then, they're, they're, then they make it back to the Citadel. And freaking, they're about to, then all of a sudden, all these, um, these girls just come up and they're just going to, you know, these guards just going to take all three of them. And luckily, Empath shows back up, who hasn't been around in a minute, and gets them to calm down. Just for a second. But apparently, Grey, Grey Crow's kind of tired of his crap because you know he's been controlling Grey Crow, and Grey Crow turns around and just slices his guts open. It eviscerates him, man. It was a yep. gorgeous panel. Ugh. Yep. And he's just like, you know, make it, make it through the portal, or you're screwed, dude. They're not. You can't, you can't come back if you don't get out of Otherworld. Yeah. And you know they make it through the portal, and all of a sudden, bam! Out of nowhere, there's this, you know, black freaking cloud. And turns out the Sinister's there, and freaking he just carves up Psylocke, shoots Havoc in the face, and this destroys Greyfrow, and Empath sees it, because he's freaking crawling through the portal, and then he just dies. So everybody's dead. The entire the entire group is dead, except for Sinister. And also, who just starts- also uh, Havoc. Havoc made it through. Oh yeah, but Havoc got shot in the face immediately following. Oh shit! I... Like, they all they all made it through, but he's dead. Oh shit! And yeah, and then Sinister's just like, well, screw it, you know. And last page is just like, oh my god, my precious Hellions, they're dead. <laughs> so he's free. He's gonna try to freaking. He's gonna try to BS his way through it. No, no, Colin, you gotta. So we'll realize... see what happens. Exactly, and Colin, you gotta realize that when they when the Silent Council on Krakoa were making the rules of what can and cannot be done, killing a mutant was not on that list. <laughs> killing a human uh, the, uh, was uh, Sabretooth. Sabretooth, uh, during a little random mission while they're going through the portals through Kokoa back to uh, random-ass Earth, uh, or different places on Earth, uh, Sabretooth murders uh, a random civilian. I can't remember if it was a cop or not. And they were like, well, what are we going to do? Well, we got to make sure that they know that we're on their side, and if they, any one of us murders a human, we'll, I don't know, what are we going to do? And Krakoa and the rest of the council, you know, commune, especially the mutants, and they, okay, I got it. If you break any of these rules, which all of them have broken, except (laughs) for the one person that they were making an example of, the Sabretooth who killed a fucking random human, I think he was a cop. They exile them into a, a like a nothing portal, like where they are banished to what I have always imagined real hell to be is nothingness and suffocation. 
while being alive. And Sinister just broke every single fucking rule during the battle uh, against Arako versus Krakoa uh, on Otherworld. And um, Sinister, just like you said, is like, oh my god, all my aliens are dead. It sucks. I tried so hard. But I happened to stop by and put on a new cape. Because during the entire fucking thing, it all mattered about this <laughs> goddamn cape. And um, the, well, the the one thing that I, I question about this is the, the agreement that Psylocke and Sinister made. They whisper, oh, to, yeah. each, they whisper to each other like that, that fucking uh, one last day shit. Mm. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. What was it? What was the actual title from? Uh, one more day. One more day. Yeah, the the, the... they're even doing that in another book right now. One yeah. more day, and it's back for whatever reason. Ugh. Uh, <clears throat> yes. Uh, the only thing I have left is that was Ice Cream Man was one of the best noir, uh, surrealist adventures. Um, if even if I told you a spoiler on it, it wouldn't matter. It was just. They're dealing with a a cult, the origins of the ice cream man, and a detective. But Tony, Tony, I present to you, Mr. Colin, and I give you the board for some fucking Star Trek. <laughs> All right. Mm. The last time we were doing something with Star Trek Year Five, there was this agonizing situation going on where the Enterprise got back into Federation space and uh, they were encountering Starfleet. Uh, apparently the Enterprise isn't a flagship anymore, which I have beef with. Uh, all of these starships are already exhibiting uh, appearances and refits and uh, development that are on par with the production design for the Enterprise in the motion pictures, so it's streamlined, it's 70s, it's, it's, uh, they're still creatures of deep space, but they're not, uh, they're not the 60s concept anymore, and, uh, Starfleet is starting to wear their kind of, like, gruesome beige and tan and caramel-colored and brown class A's, B's, C's, and D's, uh, and then you've got this character who's like the attorney general or whatever. I don't even remember. And she's wearing the costume that the Federation president in Star Trek Four is wearing. And I, I was like, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Um, and they get back. So they get back to Federation space and there's this gigantic meetup of all these ships and crews and uh, all of the injured personnel on the Enterprise are being taken away. And Dr. McCoy has a big problem with how he is no longer their physician. Uh, simultaneously, a Klingon ship shows up and is like, hey, we've got a super weapon and we can blow up all of you simultaneously if you don't give us Captain Kirk. And I'm like, are you freaking serious? Some Klingon super weapon and we got Klingons that don't look like Klingons and... Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Kirk has to go over there and have a freaking knockdown, dragout, batleth fight. And uh, it's awesome. It turns out to be really, really great. He gets his ass kicked. He is bloodied, messed up, like that face ain't ever going to be pretty again type of thing. How, but was, then, how was the action? Was it like, was it really paced really it was, well? 
Yeah, it was articulate. It was uh, well put together. It was paced out very, very well. It was, like I say, it was, it was a, it was a gigantic behemoth of a guy who makes his entire life about physical combat on an equal footing with a lesser person. Like, I don't know. Imagine. Uh, this is a terrible way to do this necessarily. What if Big Show was fighting um, Enzo Amore? You know, it, it, like, it, actually, it actually happened in the uh, Hollywood blockbuster greatest Christmas movie of all time, uh, Jingle All the Way, when uh, Big Show punched a midget like thirty feet in the air. That's my that's favorite Christmas part. movie. Like, it's my yeah, favorite. I love that movie. <laughs> that's the best one. Kirk is literally taking physical damage that is realistic you know like skin grafts bloody red eye broken nose like he is getting beat down like luke skywalker and empire strikes back and uh uh but he uses his craftiness and his like understanding of not just what cons are like but what what people and their personalities are like to basically break this guy down. And uh, in the end, he, he gets away because uh, they're like, no, our honor is incapable of coping with the fact that this guy is a capable enough warrior. And uh, simultaneously, Spock and McCoy go undercover on the flagship. This is where my real problem with this is. They go undercover on this medical ship to discover that the Federation is experimenting on all of these injuries in a way that is unbecoming of the Federation or Starfleet. I just don't see that ever happening. It's really like the ramifications of something that heinous are so, uh, so like they know no borders like a, like that a shadow there should be no thing. other books built around any other incidents except them shoring this up for like the next 10 issues this is a this is as if uh it was uh completely a, like as if the united states didn't you know inject syphilis into people of color like obviously crack into harlem Exactly. Like when that when the, when that evidence was presented, you think that Doctor McCoy wouldn't just be like, "No, I got to leave the Enterprise. This is all I'm doing, is getting these people fixed up and then bringing this medical industrial complex down for the rest of my career." Like there could be no Star Trek one through six because of this. That's what I have a problem with. If you're going to make a comic book that tells a tale that takes place between this thing and that thing, you can't in, in create a circumstance that cannot be resolved. By its very nature, yeah, could not be resolved unless you spend the time to resolve it. Because then, in the next couple of issues, they're off on their merry way, dicking around, going through Federation space, which is cool because now they're not on their five-year mission. They're on, They're, like, doing... You know, they're jotting their way closer and closer towards Earth and the end of their five-year mission. And uh, they have to stop at Andoria. And uh, I love the Andorians. Uh, the Andorians in the original series are not anything exciting. The Andorians in the movies are nothing. 
There are no Andorians in TNG, except when Lol, Data's daughter, is like, maybe I'll take on the form of being an Andorian. They're constantly referenced. They're never done anything with until Enterprise. And Enterprise had the best, most incredible Andorians ever, featuring uh, uh, Jeffrey Combs as Shran. It was amazing. They go there to deal with a political situation in that Harcourt Fenton Mudd, Harry Mudd, is running for president of the Federation. It's a non-issue, but what's fascinating is that the little Tholian character that they picked up recently, Bright Eyes, comes up with a way to save the day. And Scotty is heavily involved instead of any of the regular cast members that they're always insinuating, you know? I just thought, like, having Kirk and Scotty and a Tholian figure out what to do was awesome. Um, so, you know, and that comes to a satisfying quick conclusion, but, but it again involves Gary Seven, the time traveler from the far future with the shape-shifting black cat. So anyway, I'm going to jump beyond all of this because that's the regular continuity for right now. You're going to go to the novel. Uh, I'm not going to a novel necessarily, but, uh, the Hell's Mirror one-shot depicts Khan being woke up in the mirror universe as he would have been in the original series. But in the mirror universe, there is a, there is a uh, rebellion against the empire going on, the Terran empire and Kirk blows up the enterprise in an effort to prove himself worthy of joining the rebellion. Uh, and Khan is depicted as a character who is desperately trying to pr- propel the concepts of freedom and uh, liberty on everyone, even though that was never what made any sense for him to be doing in 1996 Earth or any time preceding that during the eugenics wars. Um, and the whole story is taken from his perspective, and it's quite beautiful. It's really well done. But in the end, what fascinates me is that they stole the idea from uh, the uh, the novel Sorrows of Empire, uh, which is a Star Trek book about the mirror universe, saying that Khan would take the entire uh, Genesis project and start hiding all of the universe's library of, uh, you know, subversive knowledge inside of uh you know asteroids and such so that it would be preserved and he could start a rebellion through ideas whereas in sorrows of empire spock knew there was no way that was ever going to happen the terran empire was never going to allow itself to be subverted from the inside and so the terran empire had to be collapsed by its enemies external to it the cardassians the bajorans whomever else thus leading to a point where humanity could eventually go to memory alpha and be like, okay, what did we lose being tyranny? So, like, I gotta say, Sorrows of Empire is very much better, but simultaneously, this book is a one-shot. Pretty great. Pretty great. How many pages? How many pages? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, I don't know. They weren't numbered, but I'm gonna say it's up in the 36, 40 page, and it's it's IDW. It's glossy. It's beautiful. Every page, like the colors, just explode. You know, it's it's the the uh, depictions of Kirk go back and forth between Shatner and Chris Pine. Um, 
Ricardo Montalban being depicted in drawings is just beautiful. I mean, especially from that original series concept. It's it's a beautiful book. It's really, really good. I, it's totally worth it. If you don't have time to read Sorrows of Empire, you can at least catch like what I'm going to call 78% of the concept by reading this one book for $5, available at your local store right now. And, uh, you know, and then you might decide, well, I want to check out Sorrows of Empire to really expand what I understand about this, which is awesome because all of those novels have such wonderful Easter eggs and callbacks to very, like, minutia that you're like, oh, that is a big deal. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Bless you. It's just, it's, it's good Double stuff. Bless. IDW, I gotta say, it, the, 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 the quality has fallen off maybe like in the 12 to 20 percent-ish uh, recently, but the year five book has been top-notch. I've never read, I've never experienced the original series in a way I liked more than this. I like IDW's year five better than watching the original series, period. Everything IDW does is, is gold. Power Rangers, really uh, Ninja Turtles, yeah. G.I. Joe, um, yeah, yeah. Tony, we need to be we need to really be revisiting GI Joe. You know how much I appreciate GI Joe after reading IDW. I picked up a Snake Eyes and a Storm Shadow action figure at Walmart recently. I haven't bought GI Joe action figures in a decade. A decade. Whew. The last GI Joe characters I bought was all of the Cobra Commanders from the last two movies. The, the Rex, I bought the Rex, and I got the Cobra Commander, and the Cobra Commander from uh, the second movie. Uh, Tony, how... Uh, uh, forgive me, I never asked if you were ever into Star Trek. Uh, no, it was just, like, I'd watch it if it was on, but I never really got into it enough to follow the stories. The, the thing about Star Trek... Oh, was, it was always good, I just never got into it. The thing about it is that they're, they're the meat and the potatoes of everything, man. Like, uh, if you can take a scientific, uh, realistic future where it's not like, you know, lightsabers and the force, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the real meat and potatoes is always the emotional uh, vibrations that are coming off of it, man. And we're going we're gonna to sit your ass on fire, man. <laughs> we're, we're gonna set your ass on fire and uh as we're winding down um the only thing i've left is i i have had such a great time watching you guys two guys interact man because like tony i can't get i can't get tony to shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> but uh not that i am i'm just fucking with you man i'm just rubbing you man and uh the, the thing is is that Tony enjoys introspective work, and he puts that into his character. He puts that into actually just being an actual human being. And I hope uh, the MFers, the minefielders out there, uh, got to enjoy uh, the the issue sixty nine threesome. Sixty nine, nice. Dom, dom, dom. The yeah. devil's number. Uh, I just want to wind down. I don't. <laughs> the devil's number. <laughs> uh, oh shit! Well, I'm going to hell. 
I'm just gonna wind oh, it we'll up. be in good company. <laughs> Save some room for all of us. Just as long as we can high five while we're uh, doing what we gotta do, it'll be cool. Just uh, no eye contact. Um, I want to wind down with uh, the the the, the Z listers that didn't make our uh, D list group oh, here. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I've got the uh, I, I I sounded off on all the X Men. I had Tiffany from Spawn. I also had uh, Madman, Hit Girl, Elise D, and Albert from Wolverine. Um, I also was going to want to throw a swerve at you guys and see which one of your D-lister uh, Hollywood movies. I was going to throw Blank Man or Meteor Man in there. Oh. I, I love Blank Man. Blank Green, Blank Green Hornet. Six. Oh, Green Hornet. Dude, Green Hornet was amazing. I, I love that movie. I saw it three times in the theater. I think I watched it like three times in a row. <laughs> it was fucking great. Uh, I, and my last little bit was Sergeant Slaughter because he was still in a G.I. Joe comic. He still counted. Nice. Tony, what Did you I got? I tell what? you, I used to know this guy who I was doing tech support. He calls me up one night. And he's like, hey, how do you do this thing? And I'm like, dude, I, I don't know, but I'll get the schematics for you if you want. And he's like, oh, my God, that'd be awesome. And, and he, I'm like, where are you? I can send this to you. And he's like, oh, wait, I, I'm in Tulsa. And I'm like, you're in Tulsa? Oh, my gosh, I'm in Stillwater. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, like I'm going to this place later. I'm going to Tulsa. I'll, like, drop this off with you. I made friends with this guy. I think his name was Travis. I was like, I'm going to be the guy in the silver tie at this nightclub. And he's like, I was going there anywhere, anyway. <laughs> so we, show, we both show up at this place. Adam Ant comes on. And I'm, like, out there dancing. And he's like, you're my silver tie guy. And I, like, reach into my inside pocket of my suit jacket. And I hand him the schematics he was after. We became fast friends. And then, like, a day or two later, he's like, dude, one time I won a Sergeant Slaughter lookalike contest. <laughs> and I wasn't even trying because I didn't even know it was happening. And I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. What? And he... He's like, yeah, dude, I went to a Walmart or a Kmart or whatever in, like, 1986, 1987, 1988, and uh, I just happened to be a beefy kid, and I was wearing a black tank and tucked into some some camouflage pants, and I walked in, and they were like, you, you're here for the uh, the contest, aren't you? And he's like, what? And they're like, a Sergeant Slaughter lookalike contest, and he goes, Yeah! And he goes up, and they're like, you win. He won <laughs> one of every single iteration of each and every G.I. Joe toy up to that oh, point. I, I would... Wow. <laughs> he walked into that? His family was pissed the fuck off. They could not fit all of it in their house. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Fuck that family. Like, you've got Find a some room. You've got a night raven. Buy you've a bigger got a house. Dragonfly. You've got <laughs> Buy another fucking house. You've got, yeah. you've got you've got oh my gosh, you've got every single thing. Did he thing get the, did he get the USS action. flag? If it if it existed, he got it. Oh, it did exist. That's In whatever year bitch. that happened to be. I don't know where that guy is now. I don't know how he's doing. I hey. hope he's doing great. He was a fun guy to know. Tony, did you ever walk, walk accidentally walk into a fat guy contest and win everything? 
No. <laughs> no. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, Dude, I'm, 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 so, I'm so fucking jealous, man. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, every fucking Joe. Every Joe, <laughs> every toy from the beginning, 1980, up to that point. We... We all have to write a movie that culminates with someone getting every G.I. Joe comic. That's the whole I have every G.I. Joe comic from 1980 until like nine or until 2002. Like, well, like, like fucking Detroit Rock City where they have to beat the shit out of each other to get in the contest and get, get to go into the Kiss, <laughs> get to go into the Kiss concert and they, they yeah. get all the toys, man. You're saying we actually have to shoot one another <laughs> with lasers? <laughs> and then they can't hit each other? Ah. And guys. one of out of a helicopter with a parachute? Hey, that's the, only way to, that's the only way to show up into a KISS concert or a G.I. Joe, anything. But uh, oh. we're going to sound off, man. It's been a kick-ass time talking all three of us again. First time. Not again. First time. First time. First time. Yeah. What's up? Tony, sound off. How do we find you on Facebook? How do we find you on Facebook? It's Tony Morales, Twitter, under Morales Mafia, and I just got an Instagram. So it's uh, Morales Mafia 1, trying to get to 50 subscribers by this weekend. So help me out. But 50. 50. Don't forget forget your OnlyFans where you're spreading your butt cheeks. Hey, yeah. That one's doing rather well, actually. Oh, I, 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 was, I was one of your first subscribers, man. Like, uh, I'm a Tony Morales butt cheek spreader lover uh, 69 <laughs> at, at hotmail.com. That's me. Hotmail. Hotmail. Very hotmail. No, that's good hotmail. Colin. We find you on Facebook. Just Colin Ward. Yeah, it's very simple. Colin, Colin Good luck Ward. spelling it, suckers. Colin Ward, my grandpa, still lives in Guatemala. <laughs> Guatemala. Guatemala. F, uh, Jesus, man. like Guatemala. Argentina? Argentina. Still wrong. <laughs> Colin Ward, my grandfathers are all dead. And none of them were Nazis. Backslash, backslash love Jews at rocketmail.com. <laughs> Rocketmail. <laughs> and I am Joshua at Michael. Netscape.org. I'm Joshua Michael. Definitely only likes blondes uh, at, uh, at TonyMorales.com. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, don't hang up. This is dangerous. This is a minefield recording. Dangerous. We are walking through minefields. This transmission is over. Don't hang up. <laughs>